call is now being recorded. So, yeah, first episode of the Channel 10 podcast. Yeah. Very excited. AR in the building. You man, Sin. And we worked through the technical difficulties of recording interstate. I guess this uh, qualifies as interstate commerce. <laughs> yeah. And um, we're in the building talking about some hip hop. Of course. So, I don't know. I've just been thinking, like, I think that this year is the um, most exciting year in hip-hop just in the first three months that we've seen. And, you know, from the end of last year to the beginning of this year, it's really the most exciting time in hip-hop that there's been in a long time. I don't know if you agree or not. (laughs) You know, I was um, thinking about that earlier um, after listening listening to Kendrick's album the previous night. And um, for some reason, um, I was thinking about, um, which year was it? It's a ran- it was a random year. Um, I think it was 2000, 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you had, like, around that time, you had, I think that was, like, the last really good year um, before this one. Um, you had um, Q-Tip's album come out. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think around the same time, I think, or maybe a year later, he dropped Come All the Abstract, but, um, well, he, he finally, you know, really released it. Yeah. And um, and then also, I think another gem, too, was you had Voodoo uh, Mega's album that no one ever talks about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's crazy now that we had the new Cannibal Ox album that just came out, which I don't know, you said that you weren't uh, too pressed on listening to it. Um, I wasn't, but uh, but actually to prepare for the for today, um, I listened to maybe actually uh, more than half the songs. I got to the uh, one in the morning before um, we started this. Yeah, I got I got up to about that point. What do you think about it so far? Uh, it's essentially to me, it had it has a lot of or it had a lot of potential, but to me, it sounds like um a vast air album and. Like just listening to like the first four songs, it seemed like you know Vast Air just got Voodoo Mega from off the corner and just said, "Yo, <laughs> gotta get this money." Cause I mean, he doesn't have any soul, man. Voodoo Mega. I mean, well, I I mean, I thought that Voodoo Mega shined, but maybe that's just because I was kind of more listening for Voodoo Mega. But my problem with it, and I haven't listened to the whole thing. I listened to about as much as you as you have listened to, but. My problem with it, even though I, I pretty much like it, it's cohesive, it flows and everything, but it's too many features. Um, yeah. And there's features of people that I've never heard of, and it feels mixtape Like, who are these people? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm. let me pull up the track list, but, like, oh, I was... <laughs> like a... And then, like, the bad thing about it is that... You know, like usually, you like you're supposed to kick off a song or be the person. Like if this is your song, you should stand out on the song. And sometimes they don't really stand out. Like, 
got and then they got like you god randomly on there like yeah but you know the thing about you go uh you know actually i'm not even, i'm not entirely sure when he came on the track i think it was toward the end but that was one of the best you god verses i've heard in years actually yeah i mean um, you know how i feel about that you god album though that one that he had that was that was kind of ill oh the uh, uh um dopium yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, it seemed like he made some money off of it. Had had some of the dub joints on there. I mean, shit was kind of whack to me, but keynote speaker wasn't any better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He should have stuck with Super Nigga, man. That was that was kind of a dope track. Oh man, for people who don't know about Super Nigga, go look that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but going back to the uh, the Cannibal Ox features, um, I was I was thumbing through them. And um, the, some guy named Elohim Star. I was just about to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, where, where the fuck they find that guy? <laughs> and then, like, this dude named, I mean, on that same track, like, they have Space, Suave, Sever. I've heard the name before. And Elohim Star. And Space, I'm thinking Outer Space, who's from that... Uh, Army of the Pharaohs click or whatever, but oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about him. But um, yeah, this is I think this is a different person. Dude's name is just Space, and that's what he's taking up. <laughs> and then like another track, they got this dude Bill Cosmic, spelled with a Q. Oh, yeah, he's the and he's the producer. Okay, and I reels. But, um, I don't know. It just brought back some nostalgia to me because, honestly, I have the cold vein in my top ten hip-hop albums of all time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I can say that. I mean, see, the thing about, the reason why I liked uh, Mega, Mega Graffiti when it came out in 2008 is because it had the beats that, you know, I think Little Mega probably fits with. Mm. Because sometimes I think even on on the cold vein, he really didn't he really didn't exactly fit. But it's just the fact that his just imagery, like the stock imagery, you know, the thing about the you know the pigeons and and so on and so forth, that just happened to fit with the landscape, the soundscape that LP made for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I kind of agree. I don't know. That album was just so dope to me. I can't I can't really say he didn't fit. But it was interesting because I was looking up, um, I looked up a review. I think uh, Spin Magazine has a Cannibal Oxes album of the week. So I was looking at that, and they had a link to um, another article from way back about how, um, I think, Voto, not Voto Mega, um, Vastair was talking about how they would never do business for LP again. And, you know, he basically got them for a lot of money. And um, LP said he would never work with them again. And that kind of disappointed me because I thought they were a dope combination. And, you know, for them to come out with an album, it's kind of like they have to kind of recreate that sound only LP can do. I thought they did have decent style with this one. I wasn't, wasn't mad at it. It fit. Fifteen Cannibal Ox album, however many years late. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean it does, it does fit. But if you go back, did you um ever listen to Vastair's last album? Um, I can't think of the name of it. 
Nah, I'm not today. Oh, what was that? Hello? 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 Can you hear me? I can know. Okay, okay, technical difficulties, but um, at the <laughs> but um, yeah. How many albums has Vester had? He had like three albums. I I think he's had like four, oh. maybe four, because he had or he had Look My No Hands. Um, he had um after that it was something about Aces or something like that. Oh, um, yeah. we had that corny ass uh, that Bass Man song that was terrible. <laughs> oh my God, it was. Um, that one, and um, I think he had another one, or maybe he had he, he had three. But um, but yeah, but that one, the, the, the thing about these kind of like they have like some of the most random features from like you know pretty big stars in the underground community, like you know that Fast Air had uh, Raekwon on his his last album randomly. I mean, but I'm for anybody. What would you say? work with anybody. <laughs> like, no offense, but, I mean, random people pop up on uh, Raekwon albums, and then he did that whole album with them Ice Water dudes, and, I mean, I liked it for what it was, but, you know. <laughs> I forgot, I forgot all about Ice Water, man. I bought that album. I'll show you, you I'll show you did uh, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't really get with it. I know that it got, like, um, that single or the second one. It got some spins on, uh, like, Strictly Hip Hop and the Rap Attack back in the day. I, I just remember 3-6 Mafia being on it, and I remember Remy Ma being on it. You know, also, yeah, um, they even had, like, the, uh, um, you know, like, one of those old album-type commercials, um, on BNC, BNC for a while, too, come to oh, think about wow. it. <laughs> they did. That was, that was, like, really random, because if you think of because Ice Water, that album came out like right after the um the Lex Diamond story, right? Yeah, I think it did because people were were waiting for Cuban Links Three, which came out almost half a decade later. <laughs> yeah, and then also around the same time when all that was going on, that's when you can tell that he got some crazy advance from Aftermath because when they were doing like some random promo cuts um for YouTube or whatever. He pulls up in an all-white Range Rover, and then he has that, like, that classic, he, he's banging, like, I think, actually, I think it was Catalina that he was banging, and then he had, um, that, like, a piece of classic nigga jewelry, um, the joint with the, uh, the crack bottle with the diamonds inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I mean, you, you gotta credit Wu-Tang, specifically Ghost and Ray, for coming up with the creative nigga jewelry, or... I guess they call it truck jewelry. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And actually, you know, uh, I've never thought about it, but um, I'm going back and listening to uh, the uh, Juan Epstein archives, and they you know, they had uh, Noriega on it, mm-hmm. and they were kind of talking about jewelry, and um, they were talking about Noriega's um, <laughs> um, port. Yeah, but I didn't know he really put cigarettes in it, though. I didn't know it opened up. I mean, that's dope. Like, it's jewelry and it's functional. 
Now, now, have you um have you seen George's um that that big um book that he has on jewelry and hip hop? Nah, I didn't peep that. Okay, well he he's had it for like some years now. But you know, it was two people who wrote it. But I recently just found out one of the people who wrote it, and it's so random. But it fits. It, that makes sense though. Mm, who was that? Combat Jack. Wow. Because um. I'm not sure. Have you been keeping up with the cipher at all? Oh, hello. I've had some difficulties again. Hello? 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I downloaded a lot of episodes but, because I have these interesting guests, but I haven't listened to it yet. Okay, well, um, actually thinking about it, I think um, that that guy is the most uh, consistent between one Epstein and a combat jet. Um, but um, I, I went back. I haven't finished it though. But I was um listening to uh, the one he had with combat jet, and um, he mentioned something. I think he mentioned something about him writing like two books or something like that. But um, I, I started looking him up as I was re- as I was listening, and um. And then his name, I said, oh, that's the guy, because I remember seeing, like, a lot of his, um, like, he had, like, quite a bit of articles back in, like, the Double XL back in the day, from what I can recall, remember. Um, but, yeah, that was, like, it was really random, but it's a it's a good book, though. The pictures are really nice, and it go, goes pretty in-depth with the jewelry. I think I think he has Ghostface's uh, uh, pigeon, or eagle, rather, in it. <laughs> Big difference. <laughs> Yeah, actually, speak of, so this is, I think this may be going on a tangent, but it's Baltimore related, and this is very, very random, and I just mm-hmm. came, I came across it like 25 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm looking up Lil B, right, because I'm trying to understand if he's even doing anything anymore. Right. Apparently, he does shows that he has coached, he's, um, he's performing at Coachella. But something said in my head, like, you know, he's like a weird hipster dude or whatever you want to call him. And I'm like, I know he's been to Baltimore somewhere, probably around Charles Street performing. Mm-hmm. So I look, I look up Lil B, Lil B Baltimore, and what comes up is an album on iTunes called Lil B Live in Baltimore. Wow. <laughs> and it's like it's one track, it's 32 minutes. And speaking of pigeons... Um, like the album cover is like a it's a, it's a pigeon, and like a picture of a pigeon in, in the daytime and like some grass or something. So I don't know what it was, but it looked like a Baltimore pigeon, <laughs> a classic Baltimore pigeon. And then so I'm like, so I'm, in my head I'm like, oh, what, like so where the fuck did he like even perform at? So I'm, I look up on YouTube. I couldn't find anything. I didn't really go that deep, but I came across these Baltimore these two Baltimore niggas dissing little B. And it's like a five minute video and they're just like freestyling. <laughs> video and post it up on the website, channel ten podcast dot com. <laughs> yeah, we gotta post that up. Yeah, Lil B the interesting dude. What's funny is um I was sent a video by this guy who from Baltimore who does bass or who was doing bass freestyles and like in like an alley. <laughs> <laughs> what? And the person who sent me the video wasn't up on Lil B or whatever, but this dude was just doing bass freestyles in this alley in Baltimore, and I gotta find it again. I'm gonna ask her um, to send me the link again because she was this is horrible.
people when I was like, I don't understand the baseness of what you're witnessing right now. Damn, man. I thought that little B, that he was just um, lectures. I, 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 like, I saw something, like, he, like he's on lectures college circuit and I saw something that he did recently. Um that's not the end why you won is it all college <clears throat> Are you breaking up again? Hello? Oh. Uh, still breaking Yo. up? Yeah. Hello? Yo. Yeah. Yeah, we should just call this podcast, Yo, You Hear Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, he's just trying to spread his love, his message of love and happiness and all that to the college community. So, um, yeah, actually, something different to do whatever. Yeah. Speaking of college, though, um, I signed up to take the, uh, the hip-hop course. Um, my- Oh, wait, you still breaking up? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you hear me? Yeah. Hello? (laughs) Hello? Hello. Yo. Hello. Hello. Yo. Yo. You hear me? Yeah, I can. I can hear you now. Okay. Think I find. I find a better way to do this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking for right now, you might have to move to another location where you get better service. I'm on the um house phone right now. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let me. Trying to move to the, uh, we call it, the living room. Yeah, in case anybody is listening to this, um, I am in Baltimore and Sin is in, uh, Oklahoma. So, uh, you know, we're doing this state to state thing, trying to get it popping. I got you, man. Uh, all right, let's see if this works. Uh, all right. You can still hear me, right? Yep, I hear you fine. Cool. Yeah, man. Like I still have like issues with like texting, texting around here and shit. Oh man. So yeah, I don't know what to say about it. Oklahoma's in the dark ages. <laughs> <laughs> it's always in the news for something crazy. We can get that, you know, get into that later if you like. <laughs> Yeah, we man, we can man like that. That shit just burnt me up. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. 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 We're gonna get into that, but um, <laughs> but yeah, like I was saying, speaking of college, um, I signed up for um the religion and hip hop course, and oh, on a Tuesday. It's a six week course, and um, I'm gonna get my certificate and everything, so I'll be abreast of all things religion and hip hop. 
Um, and uh, Bun B, um, he's one of the professors, and I forget the name of the uh, other professor who has the doctorate. Um, it's about Rice University, and um, it's through uh, EDX. Um, dot org, which uh, a lot of colleges have free online courses, and you can take them. That's what's up. Covered in Illinois, other colleges. You know, when they have a popular course, they'll put it up there for free. And um, they recently did college at version of the course. So, you know, I'm going to take it because I'm definitely interested in religion and, of course, hip-hop. So um, I guess we'll keep you abreast of how my studies are going. <laughs> That's a good look. Actually, um, speaking of that, um, I was um, invited to go to a lecture um, on hip-hop here, actually. Hmm. I did that um, last, was it last week. Yeah, because that's one of the crazy shit that happened. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I did it la- um, I went there last week. Um, one of, like, um, some undergrad student did it. He's from Oakland. And um, he, he's a cool dude. You know, he had, like, a big-ass Nefertiti necklace on and shit and, uh, you know, like, long dreads going down to his back. Um, and I think last week, or the previous week, previous lecture, rather, he focused on, um, um, Azalea Banks, um, Banks' new album, and someone else's album, and this, and this, um, lecture, this past lecture, it was on, uh, Tupac and Kendrick Lamar's song, um, but the one where he's doing, yeah, like, a, a yeah. new thing, yeah, about Brenda's Baby on Section 80. Um, oh, that song. Yeah, so he, so pretty much he, it wasn't, it wasn't as hip hop as I thought it would be, but it was cool though. Um, he pretty much, like, connects, all that shit's like Willie, uh, Will, the Willie Lynch letter and um, and slavery and you know how they treated slaves and stuff like that. Um, now, hold on, hold on, hold on. So this is the thing. Um, you know, you being a historian, um, you probably have more insight on this. But um, I've heard, you know, that the whole Willie Lynch letter was fake. Yeah. And then I've heard later on that you know it was real. So, what's 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 the business with that? You know, I am not entirely sure, but um, I hear I hear historians go back and forth on whether it's real or not, and they kind of base it around I think this one family in particular. Um, because I think originally I think the Willie what the letter was written to like his daughter or something like that. Mm. Or something crazy, um, but I know when I was in LA, um, it, it was a subject that was brought up, and um, like I think two historians went kind of back and forth about um, the issue. So I'm not even sure, but um, but the guy who lectured um, last week, he brought that up too and said that you know some people think it's fake, but he thinks it's real personally, and you know he says it doesn't even matter if it's real or not.
know, even if it's not fit. It's basically like a business plan, and it's not the business plan to wait it is. basically the same business plan as slavery. They just had to keep switching it up and evolving it um, and changing little things here and there to fit in with modern times, you know, as the times change, but it's all the same thing, so. Um, yeah. That's so, true. I don't know. And, you know, getting into music and all of that, you know, um, with these contracts and these deals that a lot of people get exposed to, you know, it's definitely very poignant whether it's real or fake you can still take something from it you know right yeah I mean <laughs> no it's, uh make black zombies for a reason yeah yeah <laughs> um, but yeah I mean it was cool I mean I, I guess for the like the the um the demographic of the classroom it was you know it was really good because you know a lot of people and in class, as you can imagine, um, didn't know what the hell the, the Willie Lynch letter even was, wow. let alone Kendrick Lamar, to a certain extent. Wow. Um, so, and yeah, it's so funny, too, because um, I was, um, did you see the thing that uh, he broke, like, a world record on the album with 9.6 million streams on Spotify? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, but um, but there's a catch to it that it wasn't available on a lot of other services. I mean, but pretty much people just use Spotify. Yeah, you know, I had a conversation about uh, in, uh, about this last night. And what other streaming services are there? There's Napster, and you know, these are like dark age type people. But oh, Napster still around? I thought they, I thought that shit was dead some years ago. Yo. Hello, 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 hello. All right, got you. All right, yeah. Okay, Napster's a part of Rhapsody, so yeah. Okay. Now, I mean, how, how does... I, I guess Google Music is the same thing, but um, it seems like no one cares about Google Music other than me. I mean, I did the 30-day free trial of Google Music to compare it to uh, Spotify. Mm -hmm. And it's very similar, but I was already with Spotify and I got like a nice little uh, student discount and I would like to keep that. So I stuck with Spotify. But, um, you know, it's pretty much the same thing because everybody uses the same digital distribution types of um, services or whatever. So they go to the same places. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, well, I don't even. I just use it to put my music on there so I can listen to it. So I, I mean, I don't know if Spotify does that, but I mean, I thought that was pretty ingenious. No, no, Spotify um, doesn't do that. Okay. Well, it's annoying though because I was trying to listen to uh, Supreme Clientele, and um, I've had to tell them um, twice, I think, already that you know I want the explicit version because you know originally my thing, my uh, my copy is explicit, of course. And um, they have yet to change it. Um, so they make mistakes here and there about um, whether or not to make something edited or unedited. Mm. 
Spotify kind of has the same problem sometimes because sometimes when you pull up an album on mobile, it'll pull up the mm-hmm. edited version, and you have to pull up the desktop in order to switch it. But a lot of times that's for older albums. But, like, with the new Kendrick Lamar joint, um, and the clean, I don't know, the whole controversy with how that was released, the clean came out first, but then the dirty came out. So, but, but when I did finally pull it up on Spotify, um, it did um, play the explicit version. But, yeah, what were you saying about the record he broke? Yeah, he broke, um, like, a, the world record or some shit on Spotify, like, I guess streaming overall with 9.6 million streams. And um, and the way that the streams were counted, you know, they, they, they count stream as someone who listens to the uh, track all the way through. Oh, wow. Uh, so, and I know, you know, Billboard last year, they came out with that new way they count album sales, and they kind of, they, they do stream, they use streaming in some kind of weird way yeah. toward the album count. So if it's 9.6 million, I'm assuming that, I don't know, I guess that would be, probably, I'm sure it's probably platinum. <laughs> and it's crazy because, you know, I'm out here in Baltimore. I'm in these streets. <laughs> <laughs> and these, and people don't know. It's it's kind of weird because people don't know about Kendrick Lamar. Like, people know about I, which came out like seven months ago so that they could hit the Grammy um, deadline or whatever. And I is on the album, but it's not even in the form that it is on the radio. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. That's kind of a deal. Yeah, yeah, it's it's real interesting to see how, um, I don't know, it's like when you're really into music, and you see how other people aren't into music. Like, I'm I'm coming to the realization that, you know, people still listen to the radio. And that's how they get their information about what's going on. And, you know, you can play some Kendrick Lamar, his new album, whatever. Like, today, you know, um, I was riding around with your mother. <laughs> <laughs> and I had Kendrick Lamar's album in the CD player. But somebody pulled up next to us bumping that new McMill. (laughs) (laughs) And she was rocking to the McMill. (laughs) And I'm just like, oh, man, like, you know, there's definitely a thing of people who are into music and people who aren't into music. And it's like the same thing, like, you know, I guess, you know, dealing with my girl or whatever, like, you know, I can talk to her about whatever is going on in, mu- in music, which is like a big deal for the culture of hip hop. But I think um, I think what's happening is that um, what's hap- I, I think that what's happening in hip hop is kind of what happened in jazz, to where it's like the culture of hip hop is going back to the people who care about the culture of hip hop. Hmm. And the people who are outside of that only get the commercial stuff, which a lot of times, even hip-hop, it's like some pop-type stuff. Or, you know, but when you're immersed in the culture of hip-hop, like, 
you could tell somebody that J. Cole's album sold more albums than whoever's on the radio, but that doesn't mean anything to to people who aren't in the culture of hip-hop. But for us, it's like, oh, man, it's a win. Like, Kendrick Lamar's album dropped, and it's going to do such and such numbers. And it's crazy because it's, like, like it's a weird dichotomy because the um the people, like, the artists that come out, on a commercial type of level, but it's still within the culture of hip-hop so tremendously more so than the people who are trying to get radio and all that. So it's, it, it's kind of weird to me right now, like the trot, like kind of vision there. Hello? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, it's... Well, I guess going going back to the beginning, um, like being in this period right now, I, it's it is really it's really weird because, you know, you had I mean you know you have this I guess this resurgence of this resurgence of hip hop if you want to call it the you know J Cole and Kendrick coming up and and I, I guess shit I guess Drake you want to put him there and and the thing is it's like. Sometimes I, I know to a lot of people I seem like a crazy hater, especially when it comes to like to J Cole and um, and, and Kendrick. So, for example, um, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine that um that I ran into last night for like a good two hours, and the first thing she asked me, "Have you heard Kendrick's album yet?" And I'm like, "I'm like, nah. I'm after I get done talking to you, I'm gonna do it." But um. You know, we were talking, and actually, J. Cole, um, he's in Oklahoma City um, tonight. Wow. And, uh, and so I asked her, I said, oh, well, she's gone. You know, bro- a broken arm and everything. And then so she asked me, uh, she asked me if I was a J. Cole fan. I'm like, I mean, I am, but, you know, I have some issues with him. And, you know, she doesn't really understand, like, what I mean by that. And I really can't go into, into in depth. So I just said, you know. Well, the old J. Cole from back in the day, she was like, what J. Cole from back in the day? And, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I, so I got really excited. I was like, the warm-up J. Cole, grown Simba. You know what I'm saying? And she was like, no, I had no idea you even had these albums out, these mixtapes out. And I'm like, see? I said, see, that's what I'm talking about. And then, like, going back, you know, at, uh, at work <laughs> back in B-more, people told me I need to get on uh, J. Cole's album because it's deep. And I don't know what that means, but <laughs> it, but the, the thing about this word deep when it comes to Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole, I think sometimes, I guess to us as well, to me, it seems a bit shallow because, you know, um, I mean, it's been, I mean, you just, all you got to do is dip, dip, dip a finger into the underground and like all that types of shit, all that type of shit comes up. Yeah. So, but I mean, I, because they have an ability to um, present it in a way that is musical that people want to hear. And then, you know, because they got picked up by majors, I think their sound has become bigger where they can do more and experiment more and they're not afraid to do more and they've created the lane to do more to where they can um, take it to the next level, you know? Like, um, take Kendrick for example. Right. 
his influences on Section 80. And it seemed like he was trying to get something out. Um, well, you know, in retrospect now, listening to this album, it seemed like he's trying to get something out, but way out the way he wants to get it out. Mm-hmm. that makes any sense. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense, but I don't, I don't know what to say about Kendrick and J. Because, well, J. Cole is a bit more understandable, but, you know, I guess fully understanding how Kendrick Lamar became who he is. Because if you ask me, especially after this album, it seems like he's just going to be... Um, I mean, he, I mean, he's just going to be a crossover artist, and to, and he's so black that he's going to turn white. If that makes any sense. Well, okay. First off, you said to me earlier, you said that Kendrick Lamar's album is too black. Or something like that. Would you say? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I did say that it's it's too black. Be with you on a certain level, but part of that is based upon my expectations of what this album is going to be. <laughs> I mean, well, when all right, when 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 I said that. It, it was a bit vague because, like, I, when I when I did, I, I just got up. But um, <laughs> what what I what I meant about or what I, what I meant by is that toward the end, when okay, actually because that like the whole I thing was like it was ingenious, like you know he did it like live or whatever he did with it, yeah. and when he you know he has like that little long monologue because people were fighting in the crowd or whatever, and then he goes into the word you know uh, nigga, and then he says that you know he's a negus. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean, I I could live without without stuff like that because you know, oh when, man, see, when I heard that, I was like, yes, like he's bringing it to people, like people know, and it's funny because I was riding with my mother earlier, mm-hmm. and um, um, I think she said something about you know I was playing it, you know, my mother is you know she doesn't really deal with hip hop at all. Star Trek. I don't know, you know, you, 
I'm, I'm <laughs> Star Trek nerds, but right. you know the Ferengi, their king was the Grand Negus. <laughs> like that's what they called him. So it's like you know I'm the Grand Negus. Like salute me, you know salute me as the king that I am. So I I appreciated that. I don't know that you know I, you know I could see how you could uh, see how it's a little corny or whatever. Okay, see, and this is see, this is what I, I I hate putting it this way, but I, I guess me, well, I, I know I can be very picky. So you know, again, like the same thing, like with the uh, the hip hop lecture I went to, mm-hmm. it was good. You know, I kind of already know that stuff, but it was good for you know for the audience. So I guess for a general audience, you know, it was it was pretty, it was perfect. But then at the same time, you know, people aren't going to stop saying uh, nigga. And when I when when I heard you know you did the whole thing with the niggas thing I'm thinking like the thing I can I can see this shit backfiring and then people are going to say oh my god Kendrick Lamar he he's a certified nigga look at the album cover and he's even saying to stop saying nigger I can see Don Lemon and all those other type of you know corny ass people just jumping all over it um, on that term but then um, musically. You know, um, I think we talked about this before, like, you know, a hip-hop and, you know, spreading some type of message is always that fine line between being corny and clever. And till, and like, until this day, no one has, no one has done it best other than Jay Rue the Damager because he literally walked that fine line of being corny and, you know, corny or clever, but he did it perfectly because, like, on, um, uh, the bitch song, mm. like on certain, like on certain, like I think on the first verse, if he if he like maybe did two more bars, that shit would have been corny. Like when, or maybe it's like three verses or whatever, it would have been like really corny. But he he walked, he really walked the line really, and he got have nice beats too. And you know Kendrick did, but you know that that eye shit was kind of corny to me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, for a lot of people, had like, like, for me, and even me, like, when I first told you how I felt about Kendrick's album, um, it's, I mean, it's only been, like, two days, but it's grown on me in a different I mean, the I record grew on me over time, because when I first heard, heard it, I was like, I don't really like the sample and all that type of stuff, but it really grew on me. I, I still really like the switch up on it, which I'm mad that they um, take out on the radio version, but, like, just, I don't know, like, musically, I think Kendrick really took it there. And it's funny, I think, that you say that it's too black because, you know, before the album came out, he was, you know, you know, there was talk of it being unapologetically black and all this other type of stuff. So I'm like, yeah. And I felt the same way about it before I heard the Kanye album when I heard New Slaves. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, like, he's about to really bring that dead press type of thing back. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and then Kendrick's album opens up with something about some pussy or something. I'm like, what? <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> what in the world is going on right now? Like, so I wasn't really banging with it, too. And then, 
like people are saying this is so musically different and everything like that. And um, I was I, like, I was kind of pissed because Snoop Dogg did that shit with with Dame Funk, and I'm like, you know, this album. First off, I wanted bars. Like, I don't know. I'm in the mood right now. I want to hear some bars. I've been watching battles, and I, you know, I, like, I really want to hear some bars, especially if I ain't heard from you since 2012. Mm-hmm. And drop the control verse. I was kind of upset when I first heard the album because I wanted more bars and music. And he didn't deliver bars on this album, I don't feel like. Um, see, this artist, another thing about Kendrick, he can, he can rap his ass off and know it. So, like, the, um, the, 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 the very, the very first interview, track number two, um, that crazy ass spoken word shit, and he's, he's going off. It's ill, but then it just, it just, it just, you know, brought back that whole thing about the fast rapper syndrome. So, Whenever someone see hear someone rapping really fast, they're going just just to go run over and get that shit. Right, right, right. And so I thought that maybe you know it didn't really help out for I guess the the stereotype of you know someone who raps fast. But you know I guess within you know Kendrick Lamar is like a combination of he's he can rap fast, he can he's lyrical, and at the same time he is on some type of um, crazy uh, black black power type shit. But um, when I after you know I, I listened to the album and I let it like resonate a little bit, it actually brought me back to Kanye and his album, and I was thinking in my head because, well, as we know, I guess as you and me know, I guess for the audience, um, you know, I'm a big fan of, of the iceberg theory, and so that's another thing about Kendrick that he doesn't he just doesn't let things I guess you know just speak for themselves. He has to say it out. He has to say it out loud for you. And I think to a certain extent, going back to Kanye, although some of that shit was just like really niggardly for no particular reason, certain things um, of the album, you know, but like New Slaves and um, and uh, the other song, it wasn't as you know it was lyrical. The beat was the beats were alright, but then at the same time, you know, he did have some a weird message to it that I really don't think anyone really under no one I guess regular the general audience didn't really get with. Yeah. Totally. But then I guess come to think about it, that's why Jesus went gold and um <laughs> J. Cole outsold him. Yeah, I mean I think that um I don't know, like what I was expecting was more bars and more blackness. And the blackness that I got was more um his blackness to me was more descriptive of everything that's going on in the black world and not necessarily on some revolutionary type all the time like boom it was just more I don't know and I think it's kind of a good thing but it wasn't what I was looking for <laughs> but um his blackness was uh, balanced because he talked about pussy and I think maybe he said something about some chicken or something. <laughs> but um, yeah, that, yeah, and I think I, I I think that's what gets him over that you know that commercial hump because if you 
If you are going back to the first album, he had Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe, and I guess that's some type of new Negro spiritual. And um, actually, I, uh, um, I think for this podcast, I think that's going to be a term that's used a lot. Um, yeah, oh, my, yeah. my bad nigga, my bad nigga spiritual. Nigga so, uh, yeah, so maybe we should just do like a segment sooner or later about what that really means. Um, yeah. But um, so you had Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe, and then you even had like the joint with Drake. But you know, on the on the the first album, a lot of it was about pussy. You know, uh, the Shireen, aka Master Splinter type shit. And I think sometimes he has that J Cole syndrome, which is randomly talking about a, a like a girl <laughs> in a verse. And sometimes, what? Well, okay, well, I, I'll give him credit that you know his shit actually makes sense. But the early J Cole, some of that shit didn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and people who don't know. We're talking about, like, J. Cole is, like, especially with his earlier projects, it was really right about some deep stuff, and then he just kept talking about a girl out of the blue, about pussy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, man. And what's dope about J. Cole, though, is that he, um, he kind of impressed it on lights, please. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> That's some real type stuff, but I think the dope thing about Kendrick's album, his first album, uh, Good Kid, Mad City, or, you know, if you want to consider his second album or, or whatever, some people might mm-hmm. consider it his, his fourth album, but, <laughs> um, like, I mean, it, it, like, it told a story that was about that, so it was a place for that. Now, this album, I don't know if you peeped it. And I'm really trying to break it down, but I don't understand this whole thing with Lucy. <laughs> um, you know, I think because I was trying to figure it out too. If I had to take a really wild guess, it's probably maybe it's short for Lucifer and the Devil. I was thinking that too, and the music industry is Lucy Lucifer or whatever, because like, and like I. I think I saw like a breakdown of this before, like how this album reflects his life as it's going on now, but in the metaphorical type of sense. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's the whole thing about the getting the pussy. I don't know. It's like this whole thing about how like each track kind of breaks down to what he's going through now. But that part of it wasn't exactly coherent to me, but it was still kind of dope because it sounded good. <laughs> Some jazz. So yeah, now, I was rocking with it. Okay, now, um, you know, it's really funny how like the West Coast is bringing back everything, bringing back like every every aspect of you know golden age. Well, see, well, well, fucking like golden golden age hip hop. You know that that acid jazz type stuff, tribe called Quest. Neo Soul. Um, I heard someone um, say that um, this album, Kendrick Lamar's album, is the uh, is the rap version of Black Messiah. Um, and what you? Tell me see that joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like, and, like, like you can play them back to back. Yeah, I mean you can, um, but I mean I. I don't, now, I don't know. It's something about now this is the these. thing to me. Okay, this is what I really want to talk about is that this Kendrick Lamar album, it doesn't sound like a Kendrick Lamar album to me. Okay, like, all right. So uh, uh, are you about to talk about the Sonics of the album? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, my like my theory of this album is that this album is like a Roots album, to mm-hmm. where like Black Thought is the rapper, but like Kendrick is the rapper, but this album isn't just his album. I mean, Thundercat does his thing on the bass. Um, Below. Allow like um sound with like 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 this album is put together by a group of people. It's not put together by one person. And yeah, you can tell. yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's a it, you know it, you know it's a full band experience. And like it's really like a collaboration of minds. I feel like and um you know I've heard that you know it's inspired by Flying Lotus. I don't know if you peep um. I saw some things about Flying Lotus. He talked about how the album came to be, even though he he only produced the first track. That's what he's credited for. But basically, he gave Kendrick a folder of beats, and Kendrick came. And I, like I think he recorded to all of them, or most of them. Mm-hmm. And the first track is the only one that made it on the album. But mm-hmm. after that, that's how he came up with the whole concept. After the Flying Lotus, and you know, Flying that. Lotus, he he's in the same crew with Thundercat, who does like a lot of stuff for TDE. And so that whole Terrence Martin and um, Flying Lotus and uh, Thundercat type of thing is popping off. You know that that makes a lot of sense. Like the like the concept of the album, and then um, the concept of Flying Lotus's last album, mm-hmm. like the whole idea of death, and you know, and then Kendrick explains about the caterpillar cocoon and the butterfly and shit. Hmm. Yeah, never thought about that. And so, like to me, it really seems like a collaboration album, and it seems like. Um, on another note, you know, I was, I was kind of like, I, you know, I always feel like I have to defend hip hop to my mother. So, <laughs> um, it seems like hip hop is taking this weird turn of how it was back in the day where, um, instrumentalists are getting their shine now. So you have Thundercat on bass. You have uh, Flying Lotus, um, and this isn't just country, this is hip-hop in general. Flying Lotus is a multi-instrumentalist. Mad Lib plays mad instruments. Um, Adrian Young, who's been popping, um, he plays mad instruments. Terrence Martin plays the horns. Trombone Shorty, of course, plays the trombone. So you have these people who play instruments who are really getting shine right now and who are being credited as features right now. And I think that is a big step in hip-hop because it's, you know, adding to the legitimacy in the mainstream world and, you know, it's showing that, you know, black people can play instruments. <laughs> that's that's very true. But, um, I, well, I guess I, um, a brief side note, like going back to Thundercat, like um, I remember I was, um, I think I was, I was still, I was still in, um, an undergrad and I was sitting around, I just wanted to listen to some new shit and Thundercat came up and the main reason why I even thought about getting the album was because I happened to have the Thundercat shirt on. Wow. And so, so I go and get it and like that shit, it was like fucking crazy in my head. I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, I know this dude's going to pop off. And then so I was kind of like waiting and waiting for this dude to pop off and I'm like, because he, he was like one of those people that were always popping my head. Like, you know, what is he doing? Because if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think he didn't come out with another 
I think he did. I'm not sure, but um, but then you know when you were telling me about Thundercat and his collaboration with TDE even before Kendrick's album, um, I was pretty happy about. But um, so has, has he been there like a fixture in TDE for like a good minute before they really started popping off? Um, I I don't know. Like you know, I'm pretty into TDE, but I think that he's part of their production team, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think they have like Soundwave, Thundercat, and then they have Digiphonics. I think now, that's the main production type of thing that they stick to. Now, hold now, isn't T Minus on there too? T Minus? Yeah. Nah, I don't think so. Okay. Because T Minus, she be doing like that shit for like a Lil Wayne and I don't know like I only pretty much know T-Minus from Lil Wayne and then he did the joint for Kendrick but now Lil Wayne was did he do I'm single I don't know I can look it up real quick but he did um he did like some big song for Lil Wayne and uh I think he did that joint for Lupe um that song off of Lasers uh, we gonna be all right. Okay, yeah, uh, a song I don't, yeah, a song I don't like. Speaking <laughs> of Lupe, yo, his album is dope. Yeah, um, uh, my uh, um, my neighbor he gave it to me, and so I, I burnt it on my computer. I have yet to listen to it. Yeah, I mean, like it's dense. Like I haven't really gotten through everything, and I have my certain tracks that I always come back to. But like, uh, Lupe, he did his thing on that. It's just, it's just very dense lyrically to to sift through all that shit. <laughs> hey, well, all right. Well, if he's all right, all right. Well, if this album is dope, then I guess it's safe to safe to assume that he stopped climbing mountains. Cause that shit was crazy. <laughs> I'm telling, like, it, it, I, honestly, it seemed like when he started going crazy when he started climbing mountains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he. <laughs> He he brought it back to the hood a little bit with this one, cause he you know he um he definitely has his hood records like the piece of man don't come here no more and they got like a kind of up to date type of beat and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And um I don't know like his flow is on point everything is on point with this album that that Lupe dropped so I'm not you know it's. It's definitely in contention for the top five albums of the year so far um, in 2015. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I still got to really go through J. Cole's album. Like, I tried to, and I just couldn't. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm just not in the mood to listen to it. <laughs> I mean, J. Cole, he's doing a lot of singing and stuff on it, which is weird because... It's weird because J. Cole always sounds like the angry type of rapper and Drake is more the singing type of rapper, but then Drake's album it sounds so aggressive and hard. <laughs> yeah. Um also, um, going back to the song because I, I had some issues with the sonics of Kendrick's album. Okay. And um the thing is like the sonics are amazing, like that that shit is crazy now. I have two things. Did um I'm not did did Dr. Dre did he mix down um Good Kid Mad City? I believe so, but I'm not. I, matter of fact, I think Mixed by Ali probably did it, but he, I remember him saying that he got tips from Dr. Dre and stuff. Okay, because you can tell that 
Um, this album, is, Dr. Dre didn't really do shit mix, mixing-wise, even if he did anything. Well, I'd be very surprised if he did, because... Um, it like the like it was it was a really synthy album and like they, I mean like the sounds like really big and like in your face and the thing about Kendrick is his voice doesn't really have that type of you really can't penetrate the, the uh you know like the the instrumentation that was going on so sometimes I felt like his um his you know his his verses his voice period was kind of lost in it unless they put some type of like crazy um you know decay or you know um, echo or reverb on it like they usually do now. I'm noticing. I told, you know what? I totally agree with you. That and there's one track in particular. It might have been the first song where he seemed lost in the mix of everything that was going on. And yeah. when I to it, I was thinking, you know, as an engineer, how I would mix that track to make it sound better because I'm dealing with that type of thing with some of the tracks that I'm working on myself. And, you know, my conclusion was that that was probably the best that they could get it in and so I wasn't mad at it. Um, I mean, what? But I do hear some Dr. Dre, like, in um, King Kunta, them synths and everything that comes in, mm -hmm. that sounds Dr. Dre-ish. And then at, <laughs> at the end of the first track, it sounds Dr. Dre-ish. And that was kind of when he had, you knew Dr. Dre had his little interlude, so maybe he did something on that. Okay, now, because I was going to say that um, I think, for me, per the King Coons is the best song, and it's because you, you can hear him, and the bass isn't as in your face as, like, like uh, for example, the very first song. Um, and so I don't know, maybe if they, use, I don't know, turn the bass down. Or, you know. The thing about that, Dre is his beats, especially, like, when you go to 2001 when, like, he was really credited with his clarity of mixing and everything and how creepy it sounds because it's so clear. Mm -hmm. Like, those beats were so minimal. Like, he only put in the beat exactly what you needed at that time to get the emotion across that you needed to feel. And because there were so few elements, but he was able to make it sound so big, it was easier to mix, you know? I mean, yeah, and see, that's that, that's another issue. That's the main issue about this album is that it's, I mean, it's not, I mean, because I mean, I mean, compared to, like, Good Kid, Mad City, although I didn't think it was the most, you know, airy album sonically, you know, it still had, like, a lot of space in between, you know, even with, like, the, the um, you know, like, the crackles from the vinyl that you were in the background, but it just fitted with the grittiness of, you know, of this Mad City that he was trying to portray. Right. Uh, but, like, with this, it's just too, it's way too much shit going on. I mean, because I mean, even to a extent, like, the, the interview was, was a bit too, like, the very first interview was a bit too much. <laughs> kind of, sort of. I think it was a bit too much to be so early in the album. Like, it was just like, my dick is not free, like. <laughs> I mean, but then. Shit like that. Like, it was. It I was, mean, like, the. The placement of it was it was okay because I mean you know I guess it's a way to get someone into the album like a, a, a general listener but then at the same time it is something you know as black men it's something that we we do go through. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But like um, I'm trying to think um, shit I was thinking about something I just kind of forgot. No. But um, I think that uh. 
Oh yeah, so like with the mixing of this album versus like Good Kid, Mad City, I was thinking um, this album immediately made me think of, and I'm going to pronounce this guy's name wrong, but it's uh, Malatu Astatke, the um, Ethiopian jazz legend or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he did the Ethiopics Volume 4 or whatever, which many people sample from. And, um, you know, it's basically like Ethiopian jazz. And when I heard the album, it immediately made me think of that. And I've kind of been bumping that for a minute and uh, going into his catalog. And the Sonics of Kendrick's album kind of sound like the Sonics of uh, Matu, excuse me, uh, Molatu. And so I wasn't mad. And if people aren't up on Mulatu, um, that's the uh, guy who they sampled. I don't know if you remember the Nas and Damian Marley joint, um, the single they did. Uh, as we enter that joint. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like, so a, like this time, I, 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 always forget, I always forget this damn album. <laughs> I love oh, my that. God. I gotta go back and listen to that. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, like... Like, um, that dude, he's he's actually sampled a lot in hip-hop that I've uh, heard, like, just on the Ethiopics volume 4. Um, mm-hmm. But um, the songs of the album kind of remind me of the songs of a jazz album to where when you're mixing some jazz, you don't really do too much to it. You just let it kind of sit and let the dynamics kind of take over. And so, like, Kendrick's voice is more so looked at as an instrument in it, in the whole totality of the thing, which is kind of brings me back to him not being necessarily the center of the album, but it's more so the whole collective of everybody who's working on it. So that's interesting. And another thing that's interesting, too, is um, have you heard Kanye West all day? Uh no, I was going to watch the video earlier, but um, I haven't, I have yet to hear anything off that album. Yeah. Oh man, like that Kanye West all day. That record is dope, and like twenty something people are credited, and Kendrick is one of them. And um, it it's kind of like how um I think he was saying something about like a Motown when everybody's credited and all of that type of stuff, and <laughs> no one gets more money. Yeah, and who knows who wrote the lyrics or whoever, you know, whatever. But, you know, the type of process that probably, can, even though his sound is completely different, that mm-hmm. type of process is probably the same type of process they went through with this, where it's a collective of people in the group all in a room making a record. So, yeah. I mean, um, I, I think... I think I'm not, I'm not I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to go off my head um since I'm in the uh, the living room I'm trying to go off my head about um Kanye's discography and the time that he has in between albums and I know that you know I think you know between from college to about graduation it was like pretty steady but then he kind of like fell off to a certain extent and I'm wondering if um, one of the reasons why he's like really he was really amped to get back into the studio is because of like you know the J. Coles and Kendrick Lamar's and um even oh, I mean oh, oh. that's a good thing which I was going to bring up um mm-hmm. 
Let me go to Kanye West's Twitter account, right? Okay. So when 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 Kendrick's album dropped, like people were saying, hold on, hold on, hold on, I gotta go to the account real quick. Oh, wait, why are you going to uh, to the account? Um, mm-hmm. uh, the um, real quick, the same article um that had like the thing about J. Cole, I mean not J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar breaking like the, the record on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, they had like a little screenshot of Taylor Swift's account. Oh yeah, yeah, said, yeah, yep. Oh, you saw that? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah that. that was crazy. But like they have a weird relationship because like Taylor Swift, I think she did a video of her like reciting backseat freestyle from the first album and like mm-hmm. he's like a big Kendrick fan and so then Kendrick when I think he was on Big Boy's Neighborhood when he was on whatever station he was on um mm-hmm. um and, and um in LA you know Kendrick got on there and he freestyled over a Taylor Swift record they have like a thing so Taylor Swift just recently tweeted about Kendrick's album which is kind of dope but um, yeah. When Kendrick's album dropped, Kanye started tweeting nude photos of uh, <laughs> of his wife, uh, Kim Kardashian. <laughs> okay, all right, no, all right. So another weird connection is all right, um, because a lot of my shit, at least right now, now because I haven't been on the blogs lately on Feedly, but um, through uh, through Vlad TV. Mm-hmm. And I see that um, Azalea Banks, she dropped a photo, a new photo from her Playboy thing. Mm. And I was thinking that maybe Kanye did that because of Azalea Banks' uh, new photo, which it really wasn't all that good, but still. I actually haven't seen it yet, but I was actually interested to see because I got like a little weird crush on Azalea Banks just because she's from New York and she be talking that shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I mean, it's in my head when I, you know, I heard, I heard she was doing the Playboy thing. I thought that it was going to be something. I thought it was going to be you know, like kind of classic Playboy, like pretty much like her just naked, just bearing everything. But it's really not like that. Oh, I mean, she's a skinny chick too, so you know, I wasn't expecting like too, too much. But um, I don't know. Her album was dope, minus like the first three tracks. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta do that too. <laughs> yeah, I really, I like, I really enjoyed Azalea Banks' album. You know, for all the stuff that she talks and all the criticism that she gets, I think that she backs it up musically, but she just talks too much to um really get it pop in the way that it should be presented. But um, yeah, it's like Kanye. He he started posting photos of uh, Kim nude. Um. But then he still gave Kendrick his props, and then like his last tweet was something about I'm waiting for it to come up. But um, he said something about how you know thank you Kendrick for the inspiration and all that type of stuff. So. <laughs> okay. And then credit, and then Kendrick is credited on Kanye's single, so I don't know what to think of that. But I mean, it's definitely something there, you know, artists kind of battle with each other musically all the time, so I definitely think that there's something there. Well, um, I was, I was like, um, I was, I was starting to see, like, the credits, um, on Kendrick's album, and I see that J. Cole, he has some type of weird, um, credit on the album, but I don't recall hearing his name at all, so maybe it was production. Mm. 
I'm not hearing his, his voice. No, the only the only two rappers who were um, on the album were Snoop Dogg and Rhapsody. But if you go like deep into the credits, like J Cole is, I think I think it's him. So he's like in like track five or some shit. That's interesting. And what's interesting is, you know, I wonder if that J. Cole and Kendrick album is ever going to come out. <laughs> uh, I don't think, because actually, you know, speaking of that, because um, I was thinking about that like a while ago, and to me, they're kind of like J. Cole. I mean, J. Cole and Kendrick, they're, they're like the new form of like Nas and AZ. Mm. Like, like you know they're cool, but, you know, you know they're never going to do another song ever again in their lives. <laughs> Oh no! Wait, have they ever? They've never done a song, have they? Right? Yeah, yeah they have. Um, Kendrick was on the hook to uh, Forbidden Fruit, I believe, on J. Cole's last album, not the new recent one, but the other one. They had oh, a okay. quest sample when he was talking about apple juice dripping from the girl's lips or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah. But besides that, J. Cole's done some production from Kendrick, and apparently they have songs together which have never been released. So, you know, that's something up in the air. But, um, and it's funny because people always talk about, you know, the competition between these rappers and everything. But I just saw that J. Cole was going to be on Drake's OVO Fest. So, you know. <laughs> well, it's weird. Like, um, I mean, if you think of hip hop nowadays, you think of Jay Z, J. Cole, Kendrick, and uh, Drake. And technically, all well, minus Jay Z, but all these people have come out around the same time. You had J Cole came out first. Yeah. He had a little bit of shine. Then Drake came out. Although I kind of feel like his like it kind of died down, but it's Drake, so you know, still like resonating within the minds of all of the the screaming teenage girls. And then you have Kendrick who came out with this fucking monster, and now Kanye is about to come out. Any whenever that comes out. Yeah. Which could be any day. You never know with these surprise releases. But the thing is, was where it is. Um, I forget what song it was, but I was um, I was in the car the other day, and my girl had on 92Q, and they played a J Cole record, and I was like, wow, they played this on the radio? Because I, you know, I, I never know what's really going on in the commercial world of hip hop. Right. So I was like, wow, they're playing something off this J Cole album. Like that's that's you know that's different. So, like, I wonder what songs, you know, I'm not into the radio, but I wonder what, like, they have to be playing some Drake song on the radio, probably Energy. Either that or the joint with Lil Wayne, um, I forget what that's called, but it was on the Sorry for the Wait 2, and there's another version that's on um, Drake's album mixtape thing that came out. Okay. Well, and so, uh, well, so we, we already had the, uh, well, actually, I guess we didn't have it. But so we were supposed to have the three headed behemoth. So do you think this is the four headed behemoth? In some type of abstract way? J. Cole, Drake, uh, Kendrick and Kanye. Yeah. I mean right now it seems like Kanye is the old nigga trying to keep up. But I do believe that that's just in our circles because um right no now I don't even know who these people are. Like <laughs> Like, I, and like, you know, I know this, you know, I test things with my girl or whatever, and I just be like, yo, uh, you know, you know, like, 
uh, Timber Butterfly came out. I was like, what? Timber Butterfly? You know, people, like, I think regular people don't know that these things are coming out and that this music is going on. You know, like, right now, you know what's popping right now? What? Track Queen. Oh, you know, I actually, I came across that on Black. Um, home, wait, wait, home, don't tell me. It's the guy, he doesn't have like an eye, right? He only has one eye? Yeah, yeah. Oh, what's his name? Betty Watt. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, because. Jersey. Okay, because people were and talking about how. Yeah. And like, like, like 50 was talking about how you from New York, New Jersey, and you talking about Trap Queen? You talking about Trap on the Bando. <laughs> <laughs> now you know I don't you know I'm not trying to judge people on their you know usage of slang and where they come from and all that other type of stuff I mean it's kind of weird but you know ASAP Rocky does the Houston thing and he does it kind of well so I'm not I'm not judging or anything like that but it was just funny to hear 50 say it like that um, but yeah that Fetty Wap joint is interesting well, how, I mean, well, do you like it? I mean, for what it is, yeah. I mean, to me, that song, Trap Queen, takes me back to 2005, 2006, when uh, Laffy Taffy uh-huh. was out. Okay, man, that, you know, I, I felt like Man, all right, that, that's a whole nother, Fabo's a whole nother conversation. All right, yeah. so, all right, um... All right, so the thing about 50 Cent, this whole trap thing, is that he really can't get mad. Well, maybe, maybe it has something to do with it. Because if you if you go back to which I was um, listening, I, I made a, I made a Danny Brown playlist. It's not complete yet though, but um, I have two joints off of um the Hawaiian Snow joint with him and Tony Ayo, and they they have a song called Trap Ball on there. Oh yeah, I remember that joint. That joint was hard. Yeah, it, it was hard. Yeah, I had, I had trap ball and I had tripping with uh, the one with a uh, little B on it. Mm. Yeah, I remember um, that too. Yeah, so I'm, I'm I don't know. Like it, it really seems like there's some type of weird, some weird animosity, especially based on that Hot 97. Was it Hot 97 or the uh, the yeah? It was a Hot 97. Um, the interview when he was talking about Yayo and um and uh and Lloyd Banks of how Lloyd Banks needs to like get up because you know he was all depressed because his father died and shit. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like I'm just listening to. I mean, I'm, I mean, I've been keeping up with G Unit. I'm a huge G Unit fan, so I don't really see too much animosity. It's just like you know, grown men have their own opinions and things, and I think there's a difference between. I don't know. I think there's a difference between you using a term when mm-hmm. you're established and you have your own career and you're kind of using it versus, you know, you're from an area that doesn't use this type of terminology uh, traditionally and you're mm-hmm. coming out with it because it sounds like, and even if it's not true, but you get the impression of it. Um, you get the impression that you're just following trends. And it's interesting because, you know, my, you know, the song came on and my girl was in the car, so we had a conversation about it. And I was telling her about the 50 Cent interview, and I was like, um, and she kind of made me feel like an old man because I was like, 
like real talk because <laughs> I was like, you know, I mean, he's from Jersey and he's from New York and you talking about trap queen and trapping up the bando. Mind you, my girl don't know. She's like, you know, she's like, what is trapping out the bando? Exactly. What is trapping out the bando? And so it's just like, you know, what is trapping out the bando from where you're from? And, you know, we're more south than they are. So it's like, you know, where are you getting this from? Are you getting this from actual experience? Are you getting this from listening to other people's songs and hearing them just popping and working for them? So you're using it in your own songs. Well, I mean, yeah. Also, um, in the uh, in the little B this video from the the two Baltimore niggas, um, they use trap quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, trap. It's a ubiquitous word now. Like, yeah. You know, you can refer, I mean, I think that trap now has transcended uh, regional boundaries, kind of, but I don't think Bando has. <laughs> yeah, band, Bando hasn't, but... Tis, Bando I mean, was a trap house, and a trap house is something that we never said here in Baltimore, but Baltimore, you know, is a bandwagon city when niggas would sound like Wu-Tang. Baltimore niggas would sound like Wu-Tang. And when niggas would sound like Gucci Man, Baltimore niggas would sound like Gucci Man. Man, do you remember? It was like a, it was like in 2008, 2009 when I came back home for undisclosed reasons. Um it was a it was a random blog post. I think it was on two. No, it wasn't. No, it was on cocaine blunts. Is mm-hmm. that still around? Yeah. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, they post here and there. The r- random random shit. It was like so whatever it was. It was like three random Baltimore joints from the nineties. Mm. Do, do you remember that? I don't remember that, but I'm gonna have to go look that up. You know, it's gonna drive me crazy because um. I had the songs and I saved them because I figured that like these are gems and just to be from Baltimore you, you gotta have this shit and I can't, I don't have them anymore. It, 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 sometimes I think about it and it kills me. But it was like straight on like it was one song was on some Wu Tang shit, the other one was on some some tribe type shit, and the other one was on surprisingly enough, although they're kind of the same but different in their own ways, was on some uh, Diggable Planets type shit. Um. So yeah, man. I mean, I don't know what it is what it is about this city, but um, I don't know. Baltimore wise, though, I don't think. I mean, I guess it is called the trap house, the crack house. I never really heard another term other than the crack house, or you know, or the house. <laughs> Old house, or yeah, like it's just that it, it's just the spot. <laughs> Um, I was listening to. I'm sure. I'm sure you've already listened to this one. I don't remember which one it was. Maybe it was a random one, Epstein. But uh, Peter Rose, <laughs> Peter Rosenberg was talking about when he came to Baltimore. I never thought about this shit before though. And he was talking about um how like there are so many signs for like I-95 yeah. way before you can get close to it. <laughs> I never you know, thought like, about it. <laughs> like, yo, it's like, warning, warning, you're entering Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, mean, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. And you know what's crazy? It's like, you know, in my music industry experience,
lot of people from New York. And then I've dealt with a lot of people from Virginia. And everybody's story is the same. They all come to Baltimore, and, like, a lot of them have only been here one time, but it's always they were getting robbed, they got robbed, about to get robbed, or it was this crazy thing about somebody being killed. And mm-hmm. the one story that I will forever remember is uh, when I was chilling with, I don't know if you remember when I was dealing with Bliss FM. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to them. They're dope. Uh, out of Northern Virginia. But um, they were talking about how they came to Baltimore one time and they were down near the harbor walking to the street. And they were walking down some street by themselves and there was nobody there. And some dude came, or some dudes came around the corner talking about the next person I see, I'm going to kill him. (laughs) 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 And then like, you know, I really want to defend Baltimore, my city, you know, um, but then when dumb shit happens, I don't be wanting to be associated with Baltimore. Like, um, like today, I don't know if you heard, three people at Morgan got stabbed. No. This is the craziest thing about Morgan, man, because, like, whenever I'm there, I'm just like, man, this is, like, kind of nice. And when I hear this crazy shit that goes on, you know, I just can't, I just can't see it. Although... It did kind. Of, it did get kind of sketchy the time when I went to uh, to Strictly Hip Hop one time. Is the old studio or the new one? Um, it was a new one. Oh man, I, I can't imagine what the old one was. <laughs> uh, oh no, nah, you went to the. I don't think you remember, but I'm pretty sure you went to the old one before. The old okay. one was very sketchy. <laughs> and my at the time, like I remember. I was interning there, and, um, you know, one time she brought me some food, and she said she would never come back. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty sketchy. I mean, Baltimore rap is pretty sketchy at times. Who said you said Baltimore rap? Yeah. All right, so I remember on that, um, a taping that I did of the, um, it was a long time ago on the test bin. I had to be, like... I think I was still in middle school. It was still on Baker Street. Mm. And um, remember that one song? It was like, be more, we see more, and we G more. If you don't want more, boy, you better detour. Yeah, I remember that song. <laughs> <laughs> that, you have to be a Baltimore classic, man. I mean, I don't know. Baltimore's always in news for certain things. And that's why I like, you know, when I went to college, it was like, like when you say you're from Baltimore, a different like people start to react differently towards you. Like, you know, I remember when I was in college, I went to Howard University for a minute, and people were like, "Oh yeah, they told me don't mess with nobody from Baltimore because they all got AIDS," <laughs> <laughs> or like. You know, like, even dealing with, you know, more street type of things, you start to realize the reputation that Baltimore holds. And then Jadakiss said it in a record one time. He said, 
He said, I got my Baltimore nigga looking out in the back or some shit like that. Oh, he did say that shit. I remember that. Yeah, and it's like, I think I was with some New York niggas one time. They're like, yeah, you know, you always got to have that one Baltimore nigga. (laughs) And then, like, um, DMX, he said one time, um, matter of fact, I think it was on Stop, Drop, Hold Stop, Rock Rise Anthem. Mm-hmm. He said, um, oh, man, what did he say on that? He said, uh, I'm on my, hey, something, something, something on my Baltimore shit. Like, uh, oh, yeah. And it's basically what Baltimore niggas said back at the time when they were about to rob you. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I hear that a lot, of, a lot of niggas said a lot of shit when they were about to rob your ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like. You know, um, back in the day, damn old now. I can say back in the day. Uh, mind you, I got gray. I was, I was, uh, I was monitoring the grays in my beard. <laughs> but, um, yeah, back in the day, um, when I was at Howard, you know, I hang, you know, I used to hang with New York niggas, and so, um, you know, the flea market was popping, and they had, you know, certain. Areas of the flea market had certain contraband items that may or may not have been legitimate, and if they were legitimate, may have may or may not have been stolen. So, um, I I like I taught some New York niggas how to get to the Baltimore flea market, um, Patapsco, just like mm-hmm. Cherry Hill type area. Uh, for those who were uninformed, um. I told them how to get there using public transportation from D.C. And they used to always wake up early in the morning and go, and they would get these jeans, and they would sell them on eBay. And mm-hmm. one day, they woke up late, and they went there in the middle of the day, and they were about to get robbed. And they just chased them, and uh, <laughs> then they was following them with guns, and they could see the guns. Mm-hmm. And they was following them with guns out um, to... You know, until they were able to hop on a bus or the fleet or the, like a cab or something, and they were able to escape. They're like, "Yo, we never going there ever again." And from New York, and they like, "Yo, it was trees out there. I thought it was nice." <laughs> <laughs> and that's the crazy, like the crazy thing about Baltimore is that, um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm so used to it, but. For a lot of, you know, outsiders, Baltimore has, like, it just has, like, a distinct culture and, like, a just weird type of, you know, vibe. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because you know, usually, at least once a week, I say I had to tell someone I'm from Baltimore, I get some type of weird reaction. Like, oh, my God, this must be culture shock to you or something like that. Um, but, you know, I, I still remember, like, the time when I was in Camden, you know, with my ex and... And we was looking around. It was like on a Sunday, and she was like, "Isn't this whole terrible?" And I'm looking around. I mean, it was, it was there was no trash on the ground. I mean, it was pretty nice <laughs> to be honest. I mean, but mind you, it was like maybe nine o'clock in the morning. But the thing about you know around around you know uh, around the ways in Baltimore, you know niggas out at nine o'clock in the morning. I don't know where the niggas in Canada were, but at the same time, still there was there were like maybe two junkies around. And no trash on the no no trash at all. Like porches were clean. There were no random babies outside barefoot. Yo, it was pretty nice. Yo, like I remember, <laughs> it was recently. I was driving through Lexington Market, right? And I'm a big uh-huh. Walking Dead fan. 
yo, I really felt like I was in Walking Dead. Like these these uh, zombies, and you know, it's a lot of drug addicts. If you're not familiar, with addicts down Lexington Market, and then there's a lot of people who are recovering addicts on the drug program because the drug program is right there. So. You're driving, and it's like you're trying to drive through the street, but it's mad people just in the street, and you can't really push your way through <laughs> with the car. Like, you really got to, like, bogart your way through all these zombies, and it really feels like you're in an episode of Walking <laughs> Dead sometimes. Like, And the same thing when you're driving down Park Heights sometimes, like when you start to get down, like, in the hood, hood of Park Heights, like... It's like, Nick, like, please, get out the street. <laughs> <laughs> please, like, I, I, I will run you. And the crazy thing is, what's messed up is, I could run you over and kill you and nobody would care. Yeah. I wouldn't get charged for that shit. Yes, one, yeah, that is a fucked up aspect about certain things that go on. I mean, shit. Uh, but speaking speaking of niggas walking walking in the street, um, I'm going to counseling tomorrow. Mm. At my first day of counseling, I uh, I set that shit up now, uh, last week. And I figured it'd be something for me to do, and right, maybe right. Something more something more constructive to do with myself. <laughs> Should be interesting. But well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like a like a mental health counseling or what type of counseling? Um, well, they well, it it's for um bereavement. Um, so they even say on the website for some reason that bereavement is uh you know it's considered like rather short counseling, but I guess it depends on on the case. But um, I gotta go there tomorrow. I gotta sign paperwork, and then I do like a thirty minute screening or whatever like that with the uh, counselor. Alright, um, so speaking of that type of shit. Okay. <laughs> have you peeped any of the Charles Hamilton interviews? No, I, I didn't know that he had recent ones. Oh my goodness, yes, he does. Um, he did. He, he recently did one with Angie Martinez, which I just saw, but I haven't had a chance to listen to. But really? Yes. Huh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But um, I I like he, he had an interview with um Sway, and he had an interview with Rosenberg and Stop from Hot ninety seven. Damn. And, um, Hello. Hello. Yes. You hear me? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like, we've talked about Charles Hamilton many times privately. And, you know, you said, well, I don't know. Like, he's having this resurgence right now. And he's going to be on the uh, season finale of Empire tomorrow night. I don't know if you've been watching Empire, but I have. um, I haven't. Yeah, I've definitely been up on Empire, and uh, tomorrow is a two-hour season finale, so 
I'm definitely going to be in the building for that. And Charles Hamilton is performing his new single with Rock Nation's own Rhea, Rita Ora. Hmm. New York reigning. And he's been doing interviews and things. And uh, he has a new deal with Universal Republic. Talked about going to the mental hospital and actually finding a girlfriend there and being what? in a padded room. And uh, he was on medication at the time of uh, this said interview. He's uh, on medication, which, you know, I don't want to... Um, I don't want to promote a stigma of mental illness or anything. These are real issues and everything that people have. But uh, Charles Hamilton is definitely an interesting character. And I'm kind of glad, uh, like, I'm definitely glad to see him get his second shot at it, you know, because he's dope. And I don't know, like, you probably, well, I guess you haven't seen his freestyles, but, like, he's on another level lyrically right now especially off the top of the dome like I he does some shit that I've never seen ever mm -hmm. and hey uh, uh oh, hold on real quick alright Yo. Yo. Yeah, man, I don't, I don't understand how these other uh, people last, man. <laughs> Fucking bathroom breaks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know, I don't know about Warren Epstein. I, I know, I know they, uh, I know they, they do like, like, like a lot of shit in the morning, but Combat Jack, the way they be trying to get it in, I don't see how they last unless they edit that shit out. I mean, I've heard uh, one of scenes where they've taken bathroom breaks in the middle. <laughs> okay, I have yet to hear one. Yeah, all right. Oh, man, so, yeah. yeah so, so Charles Hamilton, uh, lyr lyr lyrically. Yeah, lyrically, I mean, he's providing them bars on a freestyle level that I have, you know, have rarely seen. Like, mm. that should be like, damn, like, I need to be on my shit on some everyday type shit. Like, this dude is... Really killing it. Now, I did listen to some of the recent tracks he's released, and I'm just like, I don't know. But on a straight bar-for-bar bar type of rapper, he's kind of killing it. Okay. That's what's... I mean, I listened to... Um, I, I think, maybe, I'm not sure if it was like his first song, like Back Out or whatever you want to call it, but... um. 
you know, it was. I think it had something something to do with like like Michael Brown or like you know one of those black people getting shot. Damn, mm. it's fucked up saying it, saying it that way. <laughs> one of those black people getting shot. But anyway, it was like a little snippet. And you know, I mean, it just it was cool, but it just seemed like a like a regular track. It it it, it didn't have that Charles Hamilton vibe because. Um, Remember when um you know he he fucked up I think it was like kind of like after um he got punched in the face by the girl and he mm-hmm. went into like that deep drug shit or whatever whatever was going on with him and um then he came he got his shit together or Insco got his shit together he came back out and he had the song um Gauchos produced by Jim Johnson yeah and people thought I mean well whatever his label whatever, they thought it was going to like pop off but I don't understand niggas don't know what Gauchos are. First of all, and I mean, it just—it sounded like a throwaway lollipop track because, if I can recall properly, it had like the same exact lollipop drums. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember. It seemed like a last-ditch effort to get yeah, it was, commercially. Yeah, it was like, hold on, it's just like, uh, don't, don't, or whatever. However, lollipop. Matter of fact. That uh, that's another conversation. Um, because I was talking to my brother about um Lil Wayne's um documentary. Documentary. Okay, all right, well all right, well first it was like gauchos and actually the shit he was he wasn't even talking about gauchos. No, 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 I remember like listening to the track once or twice and I was like, damn, this record's kinda dope. Like why did he title it that? Because I normally wouldn't listen to a record that I mean, it, it was cool for us. <laughs> I mean, put like this, yo. All right, r- remember when he came or and you uh, you put me onto this when I was still like getting like I was getting deeper into Charles into Charles Hamilton and you were breaking down like the whole Sega philosophy to me um, yeah, from his yeah. point of view and yeah. you um, you gave me the track um, the last of, uh, the last of the Mauritians. Oh my God, that record! That shit was that shit was crazy. Yeah. And then he had um the do you remember the joint where he um the Windows XP opening sound yeah, yeah, he sampled yeah. that yeah that's yeah, kind of the first uh, records I uh, heard from Charles Hamilton oh oh so so that was before the Pink Lava Line I don't I don't know if it was or not I just know that you know somebody put me on to that record and we were kind of blown away that he did that and see that's the thing like. The reason why I say, for the listeners, the reason why I say Charles Hamilton is a genius, it's not exactly because of his lyrics, but production-wise, I really think he is a genius. Like, seriously, the way he samples, he samples Sonic, going back to Sonic the Hamilton. I think one of his earlier mixtapes, he was this, this man was 19 years old, but the way he samples Sonic, especially on ringtone rap, when he took... Um, the Beyonce joint. Um, oh, 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 oh! I'll put a ring on it. Yeah. And then he 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 mashed that up with the Sonic joint, but then he put the ring sound on Sonic for when you, like if you fall into like into like one of those pits and you and you lose your rings. Uh, yeah. That, like, that shit was fucking genius to me. Like. I, but I mean, but I think I, I don't know. I guess it's. I mean, if you don't play, if you didn't play Sonic like that, you won't really get it. But put a ring on it, and then you just put the, that shit was genius to me. And then the beat was hard because at the same time, 
there were three elements. It was Sonic, so his Sega shit. It was Beyonce because he has a fascination with Beyonce and, and Grammys at the same time. And then, like, you know, he's talking about, she's talking about put a ring on it, and he wants a Grammy, and that's gold. And then you had Jay-Z because the um, the drums that he had, they were mocking the Jack and Jay-Z joint, which is something that no one ever even thinks about anymore when it comes to Jay-Z's discography. So that, that shit was just ingenious to me. And he was 19. Yeah, I mean now his I don't know. You gotta keep the interviews and see his resurgence, and you know hopefully he keeps it going on past this empire joint. Apparently he's with Iggy Azalea's management, so I imagine good things will come for him. <laughs> okay, did he um um? It, I mean, is he coherent? Like you know when he talks, is he regular? Yeah, yeah. He, you know he's more coherent than I've heard him. In the interview in a long time, but he did say he's on his medication. Okay. Now, did did you did you keep the uh, the, um the the the, the, uh, the Charles Hamilton documentary? Nah. Okay, because I remember when when I when I was back, I I was telling you about it. But the, the crazy thing is, though, you sent me an, you sent me an email about the documentary. <laughs> I probably didn't even watch it. I mean, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Was it the thing with him and his friends? Yeah, actually, I think I um I think they had a cut. I had a cut about that when he had like he had like the dirty white tee on that was oversized. And he had like a chicken wing in his mouth and shit. I think and his friends were like talking shit to him like real bad. Yeah. Like I like 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 I remember like a bunch of disjointed videos of just depressing ass shit with him with with his homeboys. Okay. Well. All right. Well. This video, it was, I'm not even sure if it was through him, but it was, like, through one of, like, those um, Charles Hamilton, like, fan blogs mm. that they made. And so it was, like, a mashup that followed his whole career from, like, from, like, his first, like, pretty much it followed, like, the whole Charles, uh, the whole Hamilton organization project, project, yeah. project. Yeah. Um, from each mixtape and like what he was what he was doing, like the interviews that he did and stuff like that, up to like when he punched the girl and then his downfall after 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 the um that uh, the projects and then him trying to come back up to it, mm. and that made me respect him more because then he was even talking about um one joint about heroin and uh, and how he got how he got into it, wow, um which was pretty. Because I mean, from my understanding, he's never really, really gotten all that deep into you know, like his, his drug use. He would kind of always talk over it, and um, it was like one joint he just came out openly about his drug use, and you know, he was on heroin, and he simply said because he wanted to escape reality, and we wasn't doing doing it to him. And then so like the interviewer was like, "Hold on," he was like, "Hold, hold the fuck on. Are you telling me?" You were smoking weed one day, whatever like that, and you said it's not doing it for you. So you just went outside and went to a heroin dealer on the corner and said, hey, I want some heroin. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, I mean, but it's fucking sad. I mean, it sounds like what he said when he uh, said that he decided he was going to go to jail. When he uh, decided to punch the cop and go to jail for eight, nine months or some shit like that. Like, oh. and 
he was talking about how he wanted to compare and contrast it to being in the mental hospital, which he was in previously, or some shit like that. Okay. I mean, so see, this is why I'm saying, like, this this man is like, I I, I, re- I really honestly think he's a genius. Mm. I really, I really do. And I mean, because even like you know, when you told me, you know, when 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 you when you met him that one time, like certain like certain things you told me about him. It just really seems like he's like on another a fucking another plane. I don't know if he was getting doing heroin at that time still. I mean, I don't know. I just remember dude had flies uh, around him, like uh, who was it, Linus from uh, Snoopy? <laughs> yeah, or peanuts or whatever. Like dude had flies around him, like he was mad dirty. And then there was another day I was supposed to get up with some people that was with him, but I didn't make it. But they said. Around. <laughs> I don't mean to be like this and to do like that. Like, um, you know, he has some dope records, and I really hope he does as well. And like, that's you know, pretty much you know what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how they're going to work him into this finale of uh, Empire tomorrow. Because I mean, we haven't been keeping up with Empire. I've been on it now, but. Yeah, you know my my taste in TV is very weird at times, but um, <laughs> uh, I think that uh, it's a it's an interesting show, and uh, you know he's supposed to be performing this song with Rita, uh, Rita Ora, so I want to see. I mean, I mean, I look at I looked at some type of blog post and talking about um. Um, quote unquote, Yvette and Jody coming back. Who? <laughs> Yvette and Jody. I I said it because I know you don't know who I'm talking about. I have no idea. Okay, well, uh, well, you you know you know the movie Baby Boy. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I saw something about that. Like Tyrese's character might be coming and uh, popping up on Empire. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't and know. That, Empire has become like the black people mashup. Like, <laughs> and I don't know if I like that. To be truthful with you, um, because and and you know, like I remember when um I told I was in L.A. and like one of my colleagues there, she was doing um she does like research on um you know black shows, whether it's reality or sitcoms. And apparently there's like a book on on this type of shit and in the development of Fox and how they pretty much just use, you know, black shows to get on to get a black audience and then they just say, Fuck y'all and they jump to a white audience. I remember that. Um and so whenever I think about um Empire, I just think about that like the book that she cited I can't think. I, I gotta find that book because if I found it, I, I, I want to buy it for real. Um, that and like, no, the whole shit she was t- she was like doing her research on, um, you know, all these like black reality shows that are on VH1 and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know if I like this whole matchup of black people because then it just seems kind of desperate, you know, like they're doing it for the money and it's not. You, you, you see what I'm saying? It's like they're trying and, to get rid of ratings. And then once they get the ratings, they're going to throw some some white shit on there. Yeah, and I... Um, 
mean to say white shit, but they're going to use black people to get ratings and then totally disregard them once they get it and keep going with what they're going on until that dies out and they're going to repeat the cycle over again. I mean, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess essentially what I'm trying to say is that Fox has a history of doing this, but I guess it just hasn't happened in a while. And they picked this random time to do it, and they give this big budget, you know, to these people in Timberland. And I think I think the soundtrack came out um, already. Yeah, yeah, there's like yeah, there reviews for it. Um, I'm actually because some of like on the first the first um the very first episode you know and the only one I've watched so far. Um, some of the songs are nice, actually. Well, really, the beats for the most part. But um, I think that'll be that'll be that'll, that'll be pretty interesting to uh to listen to. But um, yeah, I got to get on Empire, man. My brother's been telling me about it for the longest time. It's to the point now that he references certain people to try to make certain points about something in life, and I'm like, what, like, what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I know I get on that shit. It's definitely an interesting show. Um, and you know, like being involved in music, uh, I think is more poignant because you can kind of see how that type of thing that goes on kind of plays out in real life sometimes. So, you know, and that's the thing, man. It's like. Uh, me and my brother, we had a, we had a conversation about this, um, about music, and um, he, matter of fact, um, did you? I think I told you this. I'm not sure though. Um, you know that Shelby Raw is back, apparently. Yeah, he told me. Okay, okay, just making sure. Um, but anyway, um, he saw um, he saw uh, Nick Soprano and someone else and you know they were like kind of kicking and talking about, about whatever but you know like you know Nick Soprano and certain people you know they have certain family obligations mm-hmm. and um you know it kind of kind of halts them from doing their shit and to make a long story short my brother you know he he said some he said something along the lines that you know something you know pretty much like the whole thing about you know your your significant other supporting your music or, or not supporting you. Hmm. Um, and then, I, to make a long story short again, I just told him, I said, you know, you should be kind of grateful that you don't got to go through that type of stuff. But it seems like sometimes he doesn't he doesn't truly understand it, I think, personally. And he kind of, you know, he told me, he, you know, he said, you know, well, he knows what I've gone through. But the thing about me going through, like, this type of music, like the whole music thing when it comes to, your your girl or you know your boyfriend whatever. Um, my way of dealing with it is not mentioning it, like telling anyone about it at all. So I don't say anything about it. Um, so I'm wondering with you. I mean, because I think I think me and you we have like different type of formulas when it comes to you know our music and how we deal with it. Because personally with me, I had this thing about you know they won't understand it, so I'm not going to really tell them much about it if not say anything at all. Okay, so, damn, that's a deep-ass question. I mean, it's a deep-ass topic right here. I ain't yeah. even going to get this deep. Uh, <laughs> um, so, basically, usually when I'm dealing with a girl, um, and not even with a girl, but just with most people who I know, it's through music. And so okay. they already know what the deal is. But, but right now, my situation is different. 
because my girl doesn't really know. And she doesn't really know what to expect. when Because, you know, I have up times and I have down times. And right. next up, and then, huh? I said, oh, no, right. Go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, my plan is for my next up time to never come down. And I've dealt with it before. Like, my first girlfriend, uh, you know, we started doing each other. I was 16 years old. We were in high school. And, you know, I was doing my music ever since middle school, and she knew that and all that. But it wasn't really serious to her until it started taking away the time. And I started being on the radio, and I started, you know, I had the record on iTunes. I started doing these shows and, you know, things like that. Right. So I realized that it was really real. So, like, ever since then, my girls have been somewhat involved in the music. So now my girl, now, she's more some family time type stuff. And I don't think she's really ready for the type of things that's going to happen with the type of things I have planned with my new music that I'm planning to drop. So, um... I think that um, you know, women is weird as an artist because as an artist, you know, your art is number one and that's paramount. And sometimes when life comes, your, your art kind of takes a back seat. But even when it takes a back seat, it's always in the back of your mind bubbling. And like yeah. with your girl, like that shit, it. You know, it's like, damn, I could be working on something right now. I could be doing something. like. And I find now that the times I'm really happy is when I'm able to record. And, you know, I, you know, I, like I sent you the stuff I was working on. Like, I did that shit last week. And I was really happy. And I was kind of, even though I was doing some mad rough and I kind of freestyled through them, I was very satisfied with what I came out with. Because um, hmm. it gave me a good starting point to work with. And I find myself listening to that shit all the time. Like, yo, this shit is rocking right now, you know? <laughs> so it's um, it's kind of weird because there's going to come a time in your relationship where things aren't going to be the same as what your girl was used to. And you can tell her that, but you already know deep in your mind that she don't know what you're talking about. And when it happens, that's when shit is going to hit the fan. And she's either going to be with it or she's not. And if she's not with it, you just got to keep it on a high mission, you know? Right, right, right. I mean, like, with me, um, with my with my most previous ex, the only reason why she really knew, well, I mean, she, I, I think I kind of mentioned it to her, but it wasn't anything serious. You know, we've, we've had, like, private conversations about her anyway and how she is anyway. And, like, me, when it comes to, uh, I guess, employment before I came to Oklahoma or whatever like that. Right, 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 yeah. Um, but thing and so and so I most definitely knew, you know, she, she's, like, kind of old-fashioned. You know, I just knew that, you know, I'm not telling her shit. You know, point. Waste my time, waste my breath. Um but she she didn't she she didn't know anything about it until my brother said something about it. Uh, and on Christmas time, and then you know she kind of um, 
you know, after that occurrence, you know, she got on me about it saying, you know, why do you tell me you did this, you did that? And the thing about it was she was, she was, for the most part, I would say, um, she was pretty much intrigued by it for whatever reason, you know, I don't, I don't truly understand, but she was intrigued by it for the most part. And so I think I let, I think I let her listen to like at least one song and, you know, she just, she, she, I don't know if she was intrigued as much, but, um, I think her listening to one of my songs kind of proved my point about why I don't, I don't tell anyone anything. Um, and I, I guess it's because I, I guess between me and you, your, your music is more, was way more, um, compatible with other people compared to mine. Yeah, that's true. But I still get that same type of feeling when people hear things because it's more compatible, but it's still different. But I still have those certain tracks that I go to for certain people. Like, you know, I profile people. And so depending on who they are, it depends on what I let them listen to. And then once I let them listen to certain things I know they mess with, and then they're on board where, okay, this dude is serious, that's when I let them hear the other stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, surprisingly, it hasn't been as much as a, of a problem as I would have anticipated when dealing with people. Um, but two, that be that's because a lot of times I think, I mean, you, you know, I think you uh, paper like. You have resume and stats, and when you present that, nobody can deny that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like nobody can deny that, you know, you've made an impact and t- to where you're published and publications and people are writing about you and talking about you. Like somebody took the time out to write words about you, and when that comes... That's when it's like, okay, even if they don't understand it, that's when they'd be like, oh, maybe I'm not on the level to understand what this dude is on right now, but I need to really understand that because this dude is on some whole next level stuff that I can't comprehend right now. So I think I think that's what a lot of girls, at least with me, the type of stuff that they be on. Well, I can see that because um, I, I do say personally, um my uh my i guess my uh my other life <laughs> it's um it, it kind of clouds i mean well it does not kind of it clouds my you know my, my music type shit mm. um so you know i pretty much you know with my pre- most previous ex you know she thought that you know the way my hair was web like that she just thought i was like some type of very interesting she thought I was like, you know, some, some random nigga, whatever that means. But then when one of my homeboys said, no, 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 he, you know, he does this, he does that, you know, she was like, oh, he's one of them smart niggas. And that's when she got kind of, she got interested, especially when she saw me at like one of those um, ceremonies or whatever like that. And, um, you know, I mean, so with a lot of them, that's what they know. They just know me in this other light. But when I... When I, you know, go back to my hip hop shit, or if I, even if I mention it to, to certain people, 
you know, they don't take it seriously. Although, I mean, to a certain extent, I can, I can understand because, you know, to them, I'm not making no money off of it. Yeah. But, and they think, I mean, but if you think about it, I've been, I've been doing this shit way, way longer than the shit I'm doing now. So. I mean, um, it's kind of, it's like a thing of, um, it's, You peep Dame Dash on the Breakfast Club, but if you didn't, like, you gotta peep that shit. Like, huh. some people aren't brought up to understand certain things. Like, they're brought up to understand, I'm gonna grow up, I'm gonna do this type of thing, I'm gonna work for an employer. And, you know, we're kind of brought up like that too, but at the same time, we have other influences that allow us to think outside of that. And, what outside of that entails might not be what is traditionally accepted, you know? So it's hard for people, no matter how forward-thinking they are, to get out of that whole traditional type of way of thinking. Right. And, you know, it goes to when, you know, I might tell my girl about something like, you know, my girl doesn't know what the podcast is, you know, and <laughs> a lot of people don't know what a podcast is. A lot of people don't know what J. Cole's album is, and that came out months ago. Right. You know, a lot of people have no idea what's going on in this world of changing technology and music and advancement and things like that, and... It comes to a point where um, I think that, and this is something that I think I've been dealing with my whole life, is um, being different people in different places. Mm -hmm. So you have to maintain your persona in various venues. And you have to live up to certain expectations on various venues. And on the inside, we're one person. So when we have to split our personalities and live these separate lives, it's almost fake, but it's very real. Because we're real to a certain part of us in a certain venue, but then mm -hmm. we're like the whole other part of us. And so I think my whole thing is dealing with it is I've always been trying to get to a point where I can where I can be my complete self everywhere to everybody, but that comes with a certain success because when I can be my musical self in the musical area, I can't be that self in a more traditional area until that musical self can produce what is valuable in that traditional area, which is dollars, you know? Right. I mean, once you're producing those dollars, then you can be whoever the fuck you want to be, you know? I mean, I mean, yeah, like, um, and it, it's interesting because I remember, um, I was reading a, uh, maybe I was listening, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I was reading or listening to a David Banner interview from like years ago, 
I think it was back, like, way back when um, when he had, like, the Whisper song, which, I, I, me personally, I think that was, like, his final hoorah. Because mm. um, like, he had, like, he had the, the first single that was, like, that was kind of, that was crazy. And then he had, um, I mean, he, he had some joints, but, like, you know, the Ying the Yang Yang twins kind of, and Lil John kind of took a shine, if you think about it, because he, he was, like, he was kind of before them to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah, but then he had the Whisper song that was made by by uh, Mr. Pally Park, and he's pretty much using that style. And after that, he kind of like kind of you know died down. And then next thing you know, yeah, he pops up on him. Huh? The Whisper song wasn't him. That was the Yang Twins. Fuck. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was the Yang Twins. Um, he had the same type of song, and he was he was pretty much doing the same song, but it was it was his song. I don't even. Think, hey. Okay, it, all right. Well, it's like a, it's like an, um, like an all white or gray black background. He has like a whole bunch of um, women just, you know, dancing to whatever he's, he's talking about. <laughs> like, like, like every rap song. Um, but then anyway, you know, then you, you, you know, he chills out. Then you, he goes underground out, out of nowhere, and then he, he goes with Night of Wonder, and then he makes a song on RZA's album mm. from way back when and shit like that. But um. Anyway, you know, he was talking about this whole thing about hip-hop since I think he's like a college graduate, whatever he is. And he said that, you know, his father didn't support it, but, you know, he started bringing those checks in. And his his father told him to keep on rapping. Because I think he had like a a football scholarship. I think he had some type of weird scholarship. Anyway. I don't know, but um, I know that he's spoken before Congress before. I mean, Yeah. But I mean, well, I mean, it seems like a, you know, it seems like a lot of people have spoken in front of Congress. Um, <laughs> look at, uh, look at MF Doom, dude. I mean, before he was MF Doom. <laughs> did did you um, watch that video? Yeah. Did you watch that? What video? Um. Okay. Do, um. Do, do you know about like Mad Libs Digital Empire? Nah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, have you ever been to RapCast.com? Nah. Okay, well, all right. Rapcast.com literally is nothing but a whole bunch of, like, Mad Lib, um, vinyls, MF Doom vinyls, Jay Dilla. Um, oh, yeah, remember you told me about that. Yeah, action figures and shit. And then, like, he'll randomly put, like, some, like, some other shit up. So maybe he put something um, up, like, on, like, a Freddie, uh, Freddie Gibbs or someone like that. But then he randomly put up that, um, that Zilla Love Extra joint. And actually... Um, what's interesting is that um, I think he, I think he took that from CNN because um, on the C on CNN not CNN C-SPAN I think on C-SPAN's website I think they have like the same exact clip and they say like Zev Love X so I'm pretty sure maybe it was some interns that said oh my god it's end up doing we gotta put this shit up <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm thinking in my head but I don't nigga do you, do you know what end up doing is doing right now I know that he's re-releasing the, uh, I mean, last thing I heard of MF Doom, besides, like, him being on certain albums, is that he's re-releasing the, uh, what was that group, Black Bastards? He's he's re-releasing Black Bastards, I know that. Okay, well, I mean, he's doing some super white shit nowadays. (laughs) Two super white things. First of all, this nigga has a ring. (laughs) He has his own ring. And, you know, like, the ring, is, it's made, like, you know, of, um, 
of stainless steel, and it's you know it's, it's a ring of his mask. Hmm. You can get it for like a hundred dollars, literally, on wow. some website. And also, what's even like more hip hop, more dope. He has his own wallabies. Oh yeah, I did see that. That and that that's just quick. I mean, well, I mean, technically, it's nothing but it's nothing but like the the um the um the the Wu Tang wallabies from back in the day. Yeah. But just instead of the Wu Tang sound, which was way, which was way more dope to me personally, it's nothing but the you know the MF Doom mask at the corner. Mm. It's dope though, and I think they cost even more. They're like a, like one seventy and shit. Um, but yeah, man, like MF Doom is doing it. Um, but yeah, but but going anyway, going back to David Banner, yeah. Um, he said the same thing about. I mean, well, I think it's something that everyone goes through, especially listening to like to all these Juan Epstein um, interviews about different um, rappers and shit, and how they had to go through the same thing about you know no one took him seriously until they started making money and shit. Yeah. And um, I just know like you know my mother, she kind of got a bit used to it when um I did the shit for that uh for the for the movie The Runner. Oh yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and um, I gave I gave her like a little bit of money off of that, and she she kind of shut up about it. Um, but then I was I was supposed to do that. Um, do you know about the conference I was supposed to do? Um, uh, on Baltimore hip hop. Yeah, 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 in uh, New Orleans. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh well, yeah, that that fell through. Um, it was my choice. I, I just I just can't do it right now. But um, the thing is, I was talking to my mother about it. And she told me, you know, she said she wasn't all that sure about me doing hip hop, but she likes when I talk about hip hop. Um, so I don't really know what that means, but anyway, I think it's a good, maybe it's a good, a good thing that we start, we start this podcast. Um, especially since your mother, you know, feels as though you come out with a book on hip hop. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I think there's a lane. That's uh, there that we don't necessarily see yet, and it's well, I mean, well, the I mean the lane is here. Like um, they have, like hip hop books like coming out like you know academic hip hop books like every other day. Mm. Um and um I kind of thumbed through some of them like the the uh, um the woman here who was doing um the the uh, the hip hop class. She she told me that she has the like, hip hop books come to her like every other week, literally. Wow. Um, and so I, th- I thumb through, through some of them. I mean, it's like classic shit, you know, Grandmaster of Flash, Superior Five. But you know, I want I want to see that book. I'm sure they, they do have some of you know where they go like deep into you know um, reggae and shit like that. You know, like wh- like you know where does um where does uh oh god, <laughs> that's fucked up. This is really bad for the podcast. I can't think of his name right now. Um. I mean, and, uh, I mean, speaking on that, like, oh man, I was either reading or listening to something about how, uh, like, about hello, yeah, yeah, like, um, about just. I mean, my whole philosophy was always that hip hop didn't start in the South Bronx; it started in Jamaica, and. It was something about the toasting that they did and the battles that they did. Um, I heard something recently about that, actually, um, that kind of, like,
like led to my theory. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was. I gotta look through my notes and my archives and stuff like that. But you know, Cool Herc was Jamaican. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Herc was better in hip hop. You know, all of that type of stuff. Even even when you look at the beginning of how how they battled and how they came quickly with the battle, like you see all that now with the dance hall and the, like the Jamaican reggae and stuff like that. Like my whole thing is hip hop really started from all of that. Right. And um, I think when you're looking at it from that perspective, you start to look at it from a whole another perspective of the whole African diaspora of um, people and, you know, more unifying people and stuff like that. So, um, I, mean, yeah, um, man. I don't necessarily look at hip-hop as an American thing or, you know, an African-American thing. I look at it as a, I'm not going to say African thing, but I'm going to say just a black thing across the whole African diaspora. I mean, yeah, I would, uh, I would say that too. Um, but, uh, remember when I, I told you we were, um, at the, uh, w- um, whatever the sonar is called now that we went to see the, uh, the, the Mob Beat concert at? Yeah, paparazzi. Uh, yeah, paparazzi. And, um, you know, my, one of my brother's, uh, people, peoples were in there doing that shit. Yeah. And just like looking at, you know, like how, like, you know, like the generation is now. And, you know, they had like a, cause they had like a live drummer there. And so he did like a drum solo for like a, for a minute, but no one cared about it. And then it wasn't until they, they dropped like some, some type of song with some heavy 808s in that bitch, they started dancing. And they just started feeling like, you know, they started feeling the, whatever it is, it is they feel. And so it's interesting to see how, like, how this, you know, how the genre has transitioned. Although, if you want to be kind of technical, 808s were, like, a big part of, you know, hip-hop transitioning in, uh, you know, some weird way. I mean, 808s were kind of the beginning of it, but speaking of that whole type of thing, um, this is a whole other topic, but um, <laughs> I was listening to a podcast where they are talking about Ray Kurzweil. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the uh, Kurzweil synthesizer or whatever. And, like, uh, I'm, like, the guy who burnt the synthesizer. Yeah, I, uh, I vaguely know about that. Yeah, like, he, he, I mean, he's a scientist. And that was just, like, one of the things that he did, which is, like, when you're talking about him, you're not really even talking about that. Like, that's, like, a footnote. It's crazy, like that he created that, like like the synthesizer, but that's like a footnote in his um, career or whatever. But, mm-hmm. uh, he's like a futurist, and um, there's a whole like NASA has a Ray Kurzweil Institute um, where they talk about like futurism and how new technologies are going to birth and come forward, and how you have to prepare for the new technology to facilitate it. I guess. And I thought mm. that was real interesting, like, how a lot of times advances in music are byproducts of a whole other things. And it made me think about World War Two, with how we got the, um, magnetic... This call is now being recorded. Hello? Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, what was I talking about? Um, Grand was a Theodore with the um, with the scratches and everything, like how technology moves music forward, like how he was an, an electrician, and uh, I think he made the mixer. I forget who actually created Scratch. Maybe it was him too who, uh, you know, did the first yeah. Scratch. I think I think he did make uh, the first scratches. I think, yeah, he talks about that on um, on uh, the Warren Epstein joint. It was around, yeah, he made his scratches and then Marley Maul and then like sampling. sampling. Yeah, yeah, that's right, right. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Right. So it's it's you know it's interesting to see the progression of everything and how it's moving and where it's going to move move to. But I do appreciate uh, going back to Kendrick. Do appreciate him taking it back to the more organic type of sound. I mean, that's the thing. Like when, when I listen to the album, I said to myself, you know, I said that, you know, I, I did tell myself like this is going down in history. Although I don't, you know, personally, I don't really. I mean, I can't really deal with it, but you know, I, you know, you just know, you just know when you when you just know something's going to happen. And musically, musically, lyrically, sonically, conceptually, that album is going down in history. Um, I think that album is going down in history more so than Jesus. But I do think that this one, huh? Is that new Kendrick? Yeah, yeah, the uh, the um, the new Kendrick. Yeah, I was. I mean, at first I wasn't thinking that, but now I'm kind of agreeing with you. Like, I, his first album was so crazy. Like, this new one is like. This new Kendrick album, I was thinking, like, he took notes from Nas and Illmatic, and then it was written, and, like, you know, it's like, do you go commercial or do you experiment more? And it's like, he saw the mistakes from Nas and, uh, you know, and how that was perceived hip-hop-wise, even though I still think it was written with a dope album. But, um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man, that's a whole other conversation. But <laughs> yeah, um, but um, you know, he he saw all that and um, made this album because you know they compare his first album to Elmatic, so he had to really bring it on his second album. But um, I don't know. Like one thing I didn't like. You know, Kendrick said one of the most arrogant things I've ever heard from a rapper. Like, even more arrogant than anything Kanye has ever said. Mm-hmm. And this was in his Rolling Stone interview when, uh, I think it was Rolling Stone. When they asked him what his album title meant, and he was like, that's for them to talk about in college classes in the future or some shit like that. <laughs> like, like what, nigga? I mean, but you, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, but I, I can, I can, I can see that. I mean, because of, and actually, the funny thing is that I, I really feel as though that there won't be clashes on, um, this fucking album for years to come. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. There might be, but I don't know, like. That was the most arrogant thing I've ever heard from a rapper, I think. I mean, what? Well, the most arrogant things ever. But just for him to say, like, that's for them to talk about in college class. <laughs> like, 
Well, you know, like speaking of like black art and culture and like in in, in college classes, um, I think it's Toni Morrison. Um, yeah, yeah, it's Toni, Toni Morrison. Um, you know, sometimes she like sits down and like watches lectures about her work. Mm. I think that's some of the most weirdest shit ever. I mean, don't you think you'd be uncomfortable like hearing about your like you know about your shit in front of a whole bunch of people like that, and you're like there? Yeah, I mean, I guess after a while you get used to it, but it's I like I guess sometimes it's kind of insightful what other people can see in your work. Like, I think um, one of the weirdest things that ever happened to me is um, I had a freestyle on some beat that was popping at the time, and I put it on YouTube and hello. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, somebody made a comment. Um, I said something like, fuck a Google map, you need legends to measure me or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Somebody took that and twisted it into something that was so dope that I didn't even know really fit. Like, they said something about the legend on the map and how... You know, the legend is, like, how their um, measurement system works and, you know, how they do their measurements on the map. So, like, an inch might be, like, like a like 100 miles or something like that. And I wasn't mm-hmm. even thinking that. But they delved deep into my lyrics and got that from that. And I was just like, wow, like... If I was thinking that when I wrote it, that would have been dope. But I was just thinking they need legends to measure me like they need literally hip-hop legends to measure me. But that person took it as a double entendre that I didn't even consider. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like a, I know it's like, like in some, like in certain rap songs or like I think interviews, it's like a complaint that a lot of um, people don't understand like the double entendres that a lot of rappers do in their songs and they get kind of annoyed by it. Mm. Um, and then, you know, you can, you can kind of see it. Um, I know like when, when Jay, when he did like the triple entendre on, um, on Drake's first album, um, it, it was something about like Al um, like, like an L, like, you know, like the third oh, yeah, L. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did Whole like screen that. like L, I'm the man of the L. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it was, it was cool, but, um, I know, okay, um, this is I mean, a whole that was other... Pat type shit to me. Like, it was a mean stretch. See, this, 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 this like, this is another thing about, um, this new age of rap that we kind of started uh, talking about, like, you know, when it comes to lyrics lyrics and shit like that, and I think that for real between, like, me and you, I think that Pat Pools kind of fucked up a lot of shit for us mm. when he first came out because there was no, I mean, there was no one in the game doing shit. But Pat Pools was on these underground mixtapes, and only people in New York knew about him to a certain extent. But this man was fucking amazing. I mean, I mean, I mean, cause he, I didn't, I don't, I, I wasn't messing with Pat Poos until like it took a while for me to get with him because his first mixtapes, it was like he was screaming 
with every track, and it was like he was like not even doubling the whole verse, but it sounded like he was tripling over. Like it didn't sound good to me. But I mean, yeah. As time went on, he did more records that sounded good musically and fit lyrically and it's conceptual wise. Like I was. I was really messing with him after a while, but I I couldn't get with him at first. I was, you know, I was more of a Saigon fan, and I still bump Saigon shit, like all of his first mixtapes and the shit he was talking about. I think Saigon is like the first Kendrick for real. I mean, I, I you know, I have my issues with Saigon. I mean, I don't, I would, I don't know. I've had to say Fat Pooch before a Kendrick, but I mean, but I, I do, I do personally. I think that like all three, three of them are in different lanes, though. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even want to do that. But I know that like Saigon, he had one of the hardest beats I ever heard in hip hop. Um, New rag joint. Yeah, that beat is fucking crazy to this day. That's just crazy. That fucking beat. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know, like, Saigon, I don't know, man, like, he had it, he he had it right there, like, and it was just gone, and his last album, I wasn't really too thrilled with, but, I'm sure it has I, I, I found it hard to get through, like, I I don't know if he... Hold on, he's talking about his third album, right? In the, uh, the the one he was supposed to come out with, but he just came out with it. The Greatest Story Never Told, Part 3. The, is, is that the, the only one? The, the only Greatest Story Never Told? Nah, it's three of them. Okay, so what was supposed to be the one he was working on for years? That was the first one. Okay, yeah, yeah, all right. Had dope, and just blazed through the production, and the tracks blended together real dope, and it was just, like, I mean, that shit was crazy. That was like a 4.5 mic album. No, so I'm guessing that one. That's the one that you heard? Did you, so you didn't hear, like, I mean, like, like, like the, the, the uh, first album was the one where he had the two joints that went together about the streets and being his friend and everything. I vaguely remember that one. Yeah, yeah, that was the first album. And the second album was the one where he had uh, the joint Rap versus Real on there. Mm-hmm. And, like, the third one, I, I, I can't think of any songs off the third one. But it, I don't know. I was, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a big Saigon fan. I'll say that. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm, a, I'm a big Saigon fan. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I mean, I think, I think, um, I don't, well, I, I guess to a certain extent you had, like, I mean, because I was, I was, I wasn't really on as the Saigon more or less, you know, as uh, as I was to Pat Poots. Mm. But if you think about it, they were kind of, they were around the same time, pretty much. Yeah, um, that whole that whole era. It was like Psycon, It was Pat Poose. It was Graf. Like people don't talk about Graf. Yo, Graf was dope. Like 
on a lyrical level, Grass is outshining almost anybody ever. I mean, okay, all right, so, all right, so, all right, I'm trying to, so, what, all right, so if you had to, like, to pinpoint, like, what, like, what years would you arrange, would you arrange this era from? Um, I would say, like, 2006, 2007, I don't, I don't know where to stop it, though, for real. I mean, I would take it earlier, and mm-hmm. I would take it from... 2000 to 2006. Mm. And I would include Fabulous, and I would include Joe Budden, and I would include Lloyd Banks, and I would include Jay Hood. Okay, all right. So here's the thing, because you include a lot of people. I'm not, and, uh, well, I, I can see that, but I think you're forgetting one other person, though. That's kind of random, but I, I think when I say it, you'll, you'll, you'll get what I mean. Who's that? Red Cafe. Oh, man. Uh, that's an interesting one. Because I don't know, like, I'm just taking it back to when I was in middle school, right? Mm-hmm. And when I was in high school. Red Cafe, nobody, I don't know when people started talking about Red Cafe. I don't remember. Okay. I just remember liking them when I heard them. But uh-huh. I can't pinpoint any. I can't pinpoint him ever coming up in anybody's conversations. I just remember liking his shit. Okay, well, all right, well, I'm the same way. But he had a lot of relevance on. I mean, all right, all right, but, but like this, all right, let's get real. When instead of like blogs during the time, it was all about the magazine DVD things. So you had like the uh, I think was it what was it the come up DVD and then you have the Smack DVD of course which was, which was like you know the the biggest shit and Red Cafe was on all these joints these underground DVDs he had like a, a different song for for everyone and it seemed like he was one like one of the main people other than other than like a Pat Pools or whoever else. And, you know, Lloyd Banks was kind of doing his own thing because he was, you know, by this time he was Lloyd Banks. And interestingly enough, um, I thought Eminem um, made On Fire or made the beat for it, it was Kwame. Never knew that. Yeah, Kwame. Eminem just added some, some some shit to it. But, yeah, Kwame with the polka dots, he made that beat. <laughs> I never knew because, um, because like, on, like on the Juan Epstein's, Kwame comes up so much, and I'm like, I know he made certain beats, but it's like, you know, um, the other day I was like, I just looked at his discography to see what the fuck he he really did. And he has an amazing discography, I must say. He did some shit for my homeboy. (laughs) Who, I'm XV? No, 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 no. My homeboy Prophet. Um... From Howard. I don't... I haven't heard too much from him outside of Howard, but... Like he did some dope ass records for Prophet. Like them just were dope. I think they both from uh, Left Rack. Oh okay. And um yeah, you know, Prophet had some dope shit from Kwame. Like Kwame is dope on the production. Hopefully he comes out with some more shit. But yeah, I remember Kwame had some joints with him. And um that shit was ill, but I think um I don't know, just going back to that era, um, I just remember Red Cafe because we had the same graphic designer. And I remember, this is back when MySpace was popping, 
Red Cafe. I don't know if you remember, but he had the MySpace page, and it was just this girl's ass, and he was, like, gripping it, and she was in his lap or some shit. And, like, what? his MySpace page, and I think maybe it was an album cover or something. It was just mm-hmm. a big booty in the thong. <laughs> and he had the joint. You know, I think, you know, what killed Red Cafe was G in it. Because, um, remember, remember DJ Envy had, um, had the album with Red Cafe. Right. And they had to join Paper Touching. But before I ever even heard Paper Touching Red Cafe, I heard the G-Unit version on one of the mixtapes. And then mm-hmm. I heard the Red Cafe joint. And it was crazy because I was in Brooklyn a lot at the time. And it used to be Red Cafe flyers all over the place. But okay. the only thing I remember was the genius paper touching. <laughs> <laughs> and they I mean, kind of fucked that up for for me. I mean, it was kind. Of, I mean, like genius fucked a lot. Like they fucked up the um the uh the daylight solar joint for me. Um, oh yeah. Fat, I fat. mean, although the, yeah, but although the, the 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 real one was kind of whack though for real. So I'm like kind that. of happy, Jay. Well, well, you better than me, buddy. I couldn't, I couldn't do that shit. That was just corny. But you know what's crazy is um the dream song. I love your girl. I thought that was a junior song first. I heard that joint first. I fucked your girl. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Man, I was listening to the uh, one. Actually, I was listening to the one I've seen of um that they have with the dream last um yesterday. Um, he was talking about like you know how he goes about um his publishing type shit and stuff like that. Um, uh, he he's like a really interesting dude because I know he paints as well, and yeah, he does. And he I mean he just he just does a lot of shit. But um, I don't I mean I I think his later I think his later albums were, were like were better than his first ones. But I think it's like his best song to me was like that falsetto joint. Um, the second one after, um, you, you, uh, Use a Dime, I think yeah, it's the second one. I remember that joint. Yeah, this was pretty ingenious to me. It was like one of some Prince type shit, but it was still his own, in a way. Yeah, I don't know, Dream is weird because I think a lot of his best stuff is on other people's joints. Like, mm-hmm. that song Umbrella was dope, like. I I I can't get tired of that song. Like even though it's a poppy type joint, I think that was one of the most brilliant joints written. Under my umbrella, Ella Ella A A. Like, mm-hmm. like he 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 did that, and then even joints that he doesn't even get credit for. Like I think I, I maybe it's on the same one I've seen when he was talking about the um. The how he came with the ball so hard. Oh yeah, I thought. Wait, I thought it was um, Church in the Wild. No, I think he was credited on that one. He was on that song, but he said like he was in the studio and they had spaces in the songs, and he was basically like they should just say ball so hard in it. But like he was basically making a point to where. You know, when you're in the game, you're going to get dick sometimes. And 
you might contribute to a record, but the thing that's going to keep you in the door as a songwriter is whether or not you're willing to go along with the shit and not be an asshole about it and pay your dues. And, you know, the reason why he keeps getting called is because he's a cool type of dude. So even though he's the one that kind of came up with the shit that made that record popping, he ain't really had no credit and get no money off of it. But just the fact that he was there and willing to do that shit is why he keeps getting called for records. But he's yeah. like, you just need to put that ball so hard in there. But like, <laughs> it'd be like the songwriter who writes the hit record, but it's all like, yo, I need all my money on my publishing, all that type of stuff. That'd be the one who they'd be like, oh, they're difficult to work with. We just right. work for this one record and we ain't fuck one no more and blackball them. Right. I mean, yeah, I can, uh, I, I can, uh, I can totally, I can totally see that. I mean, yeah, he does talk about that a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, um, you've never seen, uh, the, uh, the Carter documentary? Nah. <sighs> yeah, you guys, you gotta see it. Like, that's one, like, documentary you gotta see. And, um, this is how it happened. I was um you know I was in the I was in the move with some you know some nerdy hip hop type shit and um you know I just figured that's in my head I said I know Complex probably has type of crazy um you know uh fucking list on hip hop documentaries you gotta watch before you die something like that so I Google it and I think Complex had one and some other um, blogs had one too and I think actually the Huff- the Huffington Post had one too. And um, pretty much for the, for the majority of the of the, the list that I look at, I looked at um, this Carter documentary was pretty much in all the top five, and like even some people say it's like the best documentaries of all time, just for the context and like and and what you're able to see about the actual rapper. Um, so I'm like in my head, I gotta see this shit. So I put it on. I mean, and, and it's not like super long. It's like an hour, like twenty minutes, hour and thirty minutes. And it takes you into pretty much the life of, of Lil Wayne um, around the time the Carter was about to come out. I'm, 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 I'm bad, my bad, the Carter Three. Um, so it, to make a long, I mean, to make it long story short, essentially, it's really about his. The main thing about it is it's about his like his um his addiction to codeine and shit like that. Um, because whenever you see him, this nigga is fucked up. And it's not for it's not for weed because like he's he's like dozing off like a junkie, like you know while watching TV and stuff like that. And the way like the way the documentary opens up, he's like in his hotel room, whatever like that, and he's um he's watching TV, and um he tells like the camera guy he was like oh shit this nigga this nigga just had like he was talking about some shit but he just had like the great like the greatest rapper ever his little Wayne on his T-shirt. Or whatever like that. He was freestyling. Um, and that's how, that's how it opens up. But then it goes to like how he records, like you know, his, kind of like pretty much his, like his everyday songs. But um, actually they were they were they were recording him when he did the um the swag of like us joint, like the verse that he did for it. Yeah. And you know, it wasn't like in no big studio. It was like pretty much like him in like some type of hotel room or whatever it was. Um, with like some of his, you know, his people around him, and then he even showed him like setting up 
his shit. And I mean, I kind of I respected him for the most part, but I respected him even more when he like like they showed like this whole thing about him setting up his like little studio. He gets like his laptop out, his microphone, because he puts the stand up and shit like that. He records himself. I mean, so like whenever like on all those mixtape joints, when he's when he's recording, you know, he's like he, he's like you know he's stopping, he's pausing himself and stuff like that, bringing himself back in on his laptop. So I thought that was pretty dope. Um, but then, you know, it goes into, like, him and his um, his manager. Um, what was his name? Brian Cortez or Michael Cortez or whatever like Brian that? Brian Cortez, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, Cortez or Tez. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, Cortez. And so anyway, he was even talking about, you know, how he he doesn't ride on, on the tour bus with him anymore because of his drug habit. And then it kind of cuts into um, the scene where Lil Wayne's on, on a bus ride, and he has this two this two liter bottle of root beer, and he puts like this, put this whole bunch of codeine in it and shakes that shit up, and he's just like drinking it the whole way to like the trip or wherever they're going to. And um, even before that, like the suitcase, he he has a suitcase. It had. It was a, it was it was pretty much the most hip hop suitcase I've ever seen in my life. He opens it up. It had two bottles of like codeine in it, but they were like in these um, vitamin water bottles, or whatever like that. So if you ever look at it, you don't pay attention. It looks like vitamin water to you. It had like stacks of money in it, like magazines, and I guess like little like pieces of paper type wrote on whatever like that. And then it had like this book of um, this book full of like naked women. And he was like, yeah, I had a book of naked women for me <laughs> because he never has time to fuck any women or whatever when he's on the road. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I found that kind of deep. So, yeah, it was it was an interesting documentary, I must say. I would say it's one of my favorites. The Carter documentary. I'm, I'm going to check that out. It's interesting to see, you know, somebody that candid up close. It's a lot I of hip hop documentaries that's out now. Have you ever seen Wildstar? I did back in the day. I haven't seen it. Like I can't picture it out right now. You know, you know the funniest thing is my brother. He hasn't seen Wildstar. He hasn't seen it. No, he's never seen it. Oh, maybe I haven't seen it then, because I remember seeing Beat Street because of him. Um. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And um. Actually, the other day. I mean, me and him, we could have a fucking podcast. Uh, um, we were talking about it, and I told him that, you know, if I had to pick, um, I would pick Wildstyle over 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 B Street because, you know, when by the time B Street came in, you know, Run D, DMC and, like, LL Cool J, you know, they were like the shit. And so hip-hop became, you know, it was, it was much more glamorous. But Wildstyle was like 1983. So it was pretty early. And, you know, you had, I mean, and it really wasn't about hip-hop. It was about graffiti and breakdancing. So it was a much more grittier movie to me. And actually, it wasn't about I, rap. Yeah, it really wasn't about rap. Although you, um, you have, um, in Wildstyle, you have the Busy B, and um, I can't think of the other guy. But you had, like, that classic battle that even on the, on the, on the very first Beef DVD they talk about. No. Um... You know, Big Daddy Kane. Yeah, what about him? I thought it was a Busy B and Big Daddy Kane. 
Like, um, because um, I looked at like Warren G's credits on his first album, which was like 
for the uh, for the listeners, Warren G's album, his first album is a dope ass album, like lyrically and you know sonically for real. Um, he has like a lot of uh, a lot of live bass on that too. Um, and yeah, yeah, so I think like passing of uh, Nate Dog was yesterday, March uh, was it March sixteenth? Oh really? Yeah, it was one of these yeah. days, fifteenth or sixteenth, something like that. Okay, because um um I listened to the one Epstein flight two like um about two days ago and they had Snoop Dogg on there and Snoop Dogg and Daz. And by the way, Daz is a very ill, very, very ill um West Coast producer yeah. who I think is underrated. Um I mean over I mean when you say West Coast, I, I like I put an asterisk next to that. But that's another story. I mean, well, all right, well, like, well, yeah, but like, um, his, all right, because no one, it seems like no one, no one cares about this, but when he had his, um, that random ass deal with So So Duff when Jermaine Dupree was fucking with him, yeah. and he had like those two singles, and like the like the first single that he had, he like dressed him in all white, like on the yacht or whatever, like with J with JD or whatever. That's what got me into the album, and I mean the album. I mean it was it was okay, but it just had some joints that like Daz made. It was like a mixture between JD and Daz who made the beats, but even some of like the JD joints were ill as shit too. Yeah, you can't find JD and like one. Of, I think it might have been Combat Jack or Warren Epstein with JD. Yeah, it was Warren Epstein. I know. <laughs> yeah, it, it it really changed my perspective on JD because. You know, I always kind of saw him as like a child exploiter, but that really put in perspective. He was 19 when he came into the game, and Chris Cross was like 16. They were in the same age type of range. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of really, I was like, oh. I mean, yeah, he also... He and he like he based I think it was like he based some like he based some uh Chris Cross some Chris Cross beat or whatever it was um on some off of some uh Helter Skelter beat and it was kind of sad though because like when they like you know they had to go and he was like kind of ranting and raving like you know niggas like niggas think I'm not I'm not hip hop da 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 you know I like Helter, Helter Skelter I want to sit up here and, and talk with y'all about Helter Skelter for like two hours but no one ever cares about it. And they're like, oh, all right, JD, we gotta go, we gotta go. <laughs> it was kind of sad. Yeah, but it's, you know, it goes back to what you established yourself as, you know, early on, and that's kind of what you're pigeonholed into. And if you can establish yourself as a wide-ranging type of person, then that that uh, definitely transcends. But, yes, true. I was listening to, uh, shit, I can't think of the name of the album. Uh, uh, it was, uh, um, one of the early UGK albums I was listening to. And um, I bought Hit Pussy Ain't Shit? No, not that. <laughs> 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 Not that one. It was like super tight or something like that. I think it was super tight I listened to. And 
I was kind of blown away by the level of live instrumentation and how uh, the South, and it made me realize, like, you know, the South and the West really took that on early on before they even got on on a national level and was making that type of stuff, and it was kind of, like, mind-blowing right there. Um, right. I hope that UGK shit was, but, you know, I never really was delved into UGK like that, but um, it really makes me want to go back and listen to some things with some live instrumentation, and especially like a lot of the self-records that I maybe slept on or wasn't up on at first, like Scarface and stuff like that. Right. Like, you know, I know the six, but like that's where my, star, my Scarface kind of starts, besides some of the Goody Mob stuff. I'm not good anymore, but um, like just in the south, like um, the early Scarface stuff. I don't really know, and I remember like reading reviews in the source, but kind of just you know back in the day, I used to always get the source in a double XL every month, and I used to kind of gloss over certain things. But um, I need to go <laughs> no. back. No. <laughs> yeah. Um. I was I listened to the uh, the one Epstein will pass to Troy, and I'm now I want to go back and listen to his old shit. Oh yeah, I did that. Yeah, yeah. And you said you said it was cool, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Like, uh, I mean, I always like Pass the Troy though. Like, I mean, especially those two records that he had. Um, no more playing GA. Give a fuck what you say. Ain't no more playing GA. And it was the other one, um, Vice the, the We Ready? No, oh, that's okay. one. Oh, okay. We Ready, that was later on when he was with Timberland and shit. I ain't really like that song. No, We Ready was, um, was uh, Archie Eversole, I think. Yeah. We Ready. That's not, what's that? We Ready. Maybe that was Pastor Troy, too. But. Okay. My past Troy records are uh, vice versa. Would have happened was having vice versa. Um, Animal playing GA, and then Lil John had had some records with past Troy on it. Like, oh yeah, remember that? Rose, that shit was dope. Yeah, I mean, you know, like back in the day, like when he came on, um. You know, like one music videos and shit like that. Yeah. Whenever I see a Passive Troy video, because he came out like around, what, 98, 99 and shit, he kind of scared me and shit, the way he was all rowdy. So maybe that's another, maybe that's one of the main reasons why I never, I never really fuck with him like that. Yeah, I mean, back then, um, I was messing with 3-6 a little bit. Uh, and the Tatted Club Up. I'm, I just remember this one video in the box, the Tatted Club Up Thugs, which I guess was an extension of 3-6. I used to mess with that real heavy. And then, you know, yeah, Ryan Rose's brother, uh, <laughs> he would play uh, Break the Law 2000 off the Front Must Have Flex uh, album. And that was oh. my joint. Break the Law, we ain't playing. And it was funny oh. because that was the same year when Cannibal Ox came out. And Hold on, wait. So there was a so there was a break the law before break the law before the break the law that we know. Yeah. How, oh wait, wait. Hold on, hold, hold the fuck up. 
How'd that one go? Because this is something that I never knew. Like, seriously. Oh, man. You, know, I, you know, I recently went back and listened to it. I don't remember. I think it was basically kind of the same thing. But you got to understand, like, 3-6, they had mad, like, they had these underground mixtapes. And a mm-hmm. lot of their songs that came out were, like, more polished up versions of those songs from those mixtapes. And I thought oh, so they were actually called the Underground Volume 1, 2, 3, or whatever. Okay. Um, and some of that was from when they were in high school. Like, um, you remember the joint, uh, 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 Slop or My Knob? <laughs> How did I know you would say that shit? Because the thing is, like, whenever I would hear that shit back in high school, I was like, it sounds like a fucking kid made that shit. Yeah, yeah, like, like, they were in high school, I think, and then, like, like, I think later on when they put out albums, they would take joints from those mixtapes and, like, master them. They maybe redo the verses, but they was pretty much the same joints. Hey, well, I mean, it's like Space Goes Perk, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, fuck it. Like, do what you do. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, um, because I also, I know that around that time, um, my brother, he would, uh, he was also playing, he was, he was also playing Lil John, Lil John around that time too, like the first, um, albums that came up with the Eastside Boys. Yeah. And so that was, that was pretty interesting, because actually, I think like the, like the underground joints that came out, those, like that was the one that had, um, Pat Choi on it, right? Did it have Pat on it? I don't know. I just remember the um the little John had the passage and I don't know if the three six had passage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like the I mean the little John one. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. He was he, he was on a couple joints. I I I believe on the little John records. Yeah, he seemed very grateful <laughs> to be on those, on those little John joints. It's probably how he's still eating. Like, I mean, no, he has a movie out and shit. Passage yeah. Oh man, I gotta see that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was like some years ago, but it's like, um, what was it called? Not We Them Boys. Um, it was called something. But anyway, yeah. Um, and right. I looked Down it up. Five Georgia Boys or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, but but he was talking to Walt Epstein about it, and he said that um, like it got like enough play that it was gonna be playing it, like playing in some theaters around that time whenever they did like the uh, the recording of it, and I found it somewhere on YouTube. So it's probably actually <laughs> for the listeners out there, if you ever want to see some hood movies like like the classic um movie that had Mac Ten in it from like the source from way back in the day, if you ever remember that. Um just go to go to Hood Movies R Us. They have everything. They have shotters, they have those classic Master P video um those Master P uh movies. The one when he was like a superhero and yeah. with like the really super short dude who was from Hot Boys back in the day who wore like all yellow and shit. All that shit is on there. <laughs> hood movies are us. Yeah, hood movies are us. They they like they they're up and running, like they they got they locking shit down. <laughs> oh man, we gotta post that on the website. I gotta get the website popped so we can post the thing that we talking about. But yeah, hood movies are us. Yeah, um, Damn, it was it was some other shit. It was oh 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 all right. So speaking of three six, I had the most random little white moment here in this house the other day. 
Oh wow. So um okay, it was the white it was the white version of you who um, who I told you about. Yeah. Um so you know, I mean you know, so you know we pretty much we like we, we sit around, we have our um at the right class whatever it is one day. We sit around, we have whiskey one day, um, last week, chilling and um we were pretty much like talking about drugs and shit. So I was telling him about, you know, me and my uh, me and Percocets back in the day when I was a bit younger. Yeah. <laughs> and um this was after, you know, like pretty much like a lot of whiskey. And so it was like a big ass pause, like maybe like a maybe like a two minute pause. And he was like, Damn man, Percocet. So I'm like, Yeah, man, that shit was crazy. And then he just started like he started like um chanting some like some little white shit um off of uh the icy cotton joint. <laughs> you, you remember that shit from back in the day? Vaguely, yeah. It's something something icy cat icy cotton saying it paused purpose and long set. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, yeah, what you want, what you need, hit me up, I got you, man. So he started sitting in that shit, and I finished it up for him, and his eyes got really big, and so we sang a whole song, acapella, drunk and shit. And he was like, you, he was like, you got that? I'm like, nigga, what? I said, yeah, I got that. So I'm like, hold on. I said, I said, yeah, uh, look at my speakers up. Yeah, we, we bumped that shit twice, like. Yo, that shit is crazy. Scarecrow, scarecrow, what's that? You popping a powerful pill they call Oxycontin. That shit was crazy. But yeah, he told me that, um, because, you know, he's from Texas, so he told me that, you know, and it makes sense, like, Lil' Web is a big thing in Texas. That shit was crazy. Never, I never would thought I would have a little white connection with anybody <laughs> in my life. Of all things, I never thought that. Hip hop it uh brings people together. I mean yeah, it does. I mean he he listens he listens to hip hop and you know, country music and shit like that. A big mixture of things. Um I'm not sure he doesn't seem like a I I never even heard him say anything about underground hip hop type shit or whatever. But um I actually um, I went I went back to like Talib Kweli and shit, and I was listening to the joint that he had um, with those random people that no one cares about anymore. Um, the Sunshine joint. Sunshine. Yeah. What song was that? Sun, sun plants your seed in the sun plants your seed in the earth so it can blossom in the sunshine. <laughs> you don't know that shit. It was um I can't think of the rappers' names. Um, it was uh, it was like it was like a duo of rappers, but it was Tal- like one of Taleb Kweli's first features, though. Was it the Amadou Diallo joint? Mm, I don't think so. Essentially, it, uh, it, it was. Uh, do you remember that that this that that like the mythical. Um, the mythical orange disc you gave me, mini disc you gave me years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on that, and for like for years I was thinking about this song, but I just never knew how like to properly put it into YouTube or Google. And I finally thought about it how how to like, how to put it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came it came up. I'm about to go to my Google Music account, try to to um say the name real quick. 
But yeah, like that song's crazy. That's like that's one of my favorite songs, actually, to this day. Yeah, I gotta yeah, you gotta send that to me. I think um Quali got this new artist though who's kinda dope. Oh man, I got I can't think of his name right now, but he's like uh Portuguese not Portuguese, he's Brazilian or something. Mm-hmm. And like he can rap in Portuguese, Spanish and English. And okay. his flow is like kinda off kilter and he did this weird freestyle on High ninety seven. And it wasn't really good, but it's made you want to listen to his music. <laughs> okay. And, like, I heard a song that he and Quali did, and it was kind of dope. So I got a few more. I th- his name was, like, something is, like, whatever his name is, and then the word is. Uh, he's on Javodi or Jehodi or whatever, uh, Tell Quali's label was called Old right. or something. I might check them out. Um, yeah, um, it, it's called Fruits of Labor in the Sunshine. It was a 12 inch, and it was Wisdom Life and Nat Fingers. You, really, you don't remember this shit? I don't remember, man. I used to be real underground back in the day. You see, I you see, I know like on a one up scene type of shit, like see like you like the sounds that I'm Peter Rosenberg right now. What's <laughs> <laughs> oh, real shit? Like remember, remember that shit? I can't. Uh, I can barely hear it. I don't remember that shit. All right, hold on. All right, so, all right. My bad, listeners. Hold on. I gotta, let me go to the course real quick. Alright. I vaguely remember that because I remember I said some crazy ass quality mixtape with like all this super crazy quality stuff that nobody ever heard. I kind of oh, yeah. remember. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, that was like yeah. Um, the uh, actually another jewel for the listeners. If uh, you guys don't know, um, if y'all want to hear like some or get like I guess like the B sides of like some some crazy underground artists like Razzcats or something like that, go to uh, the Lost Tapes blog. Um, I was um trying to look for, I was trying to look for this song. Uh, I finally found it on YouTube maybe like a month or two ago, and um, I was trying to like you know find like an actual MP3 of it. I couldn't find it, but then I found like the history of it that um the the Lost Tapes blog guy um wrote. He did like a little write up about it, and it was like I think it, I think it is like his first feature ever. Um, Damn. So yeah, but like yeah, man, that like, that mythical fucking orange mini disc you gave me years ago, I still have in the basement. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of gems on there. Yeah, man, I used to be super underground. Like, 
I used to have mad joints from Alaska. And what's crazy is I've seen some new things from him. Because uh, for people who don't know, Alaska was part of the Adams family, I believe, which is what Cannibal Ox was part of. But he was, like, way, 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 way underground. Like, <laughs> mm. Oh. Yeah, I, I barely remember him, man. Yeah, I remember. He was on a uh, cold vein, I believe. Okay, well, Adam. Okay, but, but, he, but all right, well, he he he, I, he he probably didn't get he didn't get a credit for it, did he? Uh I, I, I think it depends on which version you illegally downloaded. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, see, all right, okay, on, on another note, when it comes to downloading things, um, a, a Def Jux album I've been trying to get is um, um, S.A. Smash, the uh, the duo from back in the day. Boy, I think I have that in my notes to go back and check because somebody was talking about them. Yeah, dude, I, I can't, um, it was like a while ago, so maybe someone came up with it, but, um, I can't, I couldn't find it, um, but I want, I, I, I right. huh? Set. Let me see if I can find something. Oh, I got an email about my, uh, payments to Spotify USA Inc. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, speaking of, did, uh, did, um, my mother tell you about Canada and shit? Hello? Like the um, I prepared everything for the passport office, um, for the post office, 
I had a dream that, that like the day before I was going to go there that I, <laughs> I, I went to the office and it turned me back because I didn't have all the paperwork, all the paperwork I needed. Oh, man. That was a fucking nightmare, yo. Um, but when I went there, though, it was cool, though. I mean, it just it went too smoothly, too smooth. And because of that, I suffered because the uh, um, the service that I'm using, like to, to to get like to get it expedited. Um, they said that the ID, my, that the the copy of my ID wasn't clear enough, and technically oh. I had nothing, I had nothing to do with it, so I had to do it over again. Damn. Yeah, so it's kind of fucked up, but yeah, so um, very expensive, but um, yeah, I mean it's a good thing to have your passport, like you always told me years ago. <laughs> Yeah, even though I I I still have to have mine, but you know, dealing with a lot of international people, a lot of people from the Caribbean, it's like when you tell people you don't have your passport, they look at you like you're some type of heathen from the dark ages. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. while I don't have anything planned, but um, I see OVO Fest was popping. And that's, that's in Canada? Yeah, that's in Toronto, and T-Dots, or the Six, as uh, these Drake people like to call it. And um, also, uh, you know, late July, early August is when Carabana is, and so... You know, I've been meaning to go up there for years to get in, you know, get more in touch with my Caribbean roots. Uh, and I see some of the beautiful uh, things that are going on. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm getting my passport and I'm going somewhere. I mean, yeah, man. Like, um, I don't know. I don't have, like, a fucking... I fucking fork in the road with like these two um, opportunities, um, like because like the Canada shit, that's like a whole other story. That I mean, I don't know. I probably could like just say it, but maybe I, maybe I should separate that from <laughs> from. Uh, probably cause we've been going for. I mean, we man, we probably start wrapping this up because we're going for like three hours. <laughs> it's like two in the morning right now. I don't know, maybe we could like chop it up. Huh. So maybe we like chop it up in like the two different episodes or three or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably what we're going to do. <laughs> we talk about a lot of different things. Um, I got to go to work in the morning. But, um, damn, I want to get into some reggae shit too. But um, I'm listening to Protege's new album. That shit is dope. And I'm listening to Luton Fire's EP. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that's pretty much it for the reggae tip until some new midnight drops or something like that. I mean, well, I, I stumbled across some old classic reggae that's like, you got some shit on that. Mm, uh, okay, you know, um, Linville Thompson, the uh, I Love Marijuana dude. Yeah. Um, He has like this little, because you know, he, he, he's a producer too, like on a heavy tip. And he has like this little thing called Linville Thompson and Friends. So he had like a he had like a mixtape that I've been having for like a, a long time. And he had like certain like you know remixes like a certain song that he like he produced. 
And essentially, Tyler, he pretty much like sped him up. Um, but this other joint I came across, it's a mixture of him and King Tubby. Mm. Um, so to a certain extent, I don't really know what he really did on it um, production-wise, but he has a song about um, King Tubby on it. But but it's not it's not really the highlight. But he had he had a song on there called um, "I Want to Go," um, "I Gotta Get Home," and this is, I mean it's an ill ass song, you know, a classic reggae type of song, you know, ideologically and shit like that. Hmm. It's an ill song. I gotta keep that up. Plus, I don't know. We gotta have another episode because like we gotta talk about Gully Bop. <laughs> man, I was about to say Gully Bop, man, like. Um, have you heard anything like recently? Because I haven't, I haven't been keeping up with Gully Bot. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, I hear new stuff every day. I mean, I see new stuff every day, and every once in a while, I click on something. I listened to one of his mixtapes, and that shit was kind of dope. Like, I don't know what the hell he was talking about at the time, but I liked it. <laughs> yeah, imagine trying to listen to um, an interview with this man. And then, like, another thing, too, is uh, Assassin. I want to talk about him, but I got to do my research on him more. But I tried to, like, look up some Assassin on Spotify, and it was kind of hard to come by. But, you know, oh, we're trying to see what what the deal is with this Assassin dude and the hip-hop and everything. So, so definitely a lot of things you got to talk about. But I think and this uh, first episode went well. <laughs> Yeah, I think it did too. No, don't forget about we gotta we gotta talk about Drake and his uh, his taking over of hip hop. Oh yeah, yeah. I think uh, Drake is he's the king of hip hop right now. Yeah, he is pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Can't really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Unless you talk about Kendrick and you want to talk about J Cole and as much as uh, I don't know, you want to hate on Drake, you can't really hate on Drake because Drake shutting it down and. Uh, Music ain't bad. Yeah, well, um, well, what, what uh, what, what alcohol? What kind? What kind of alcohol were you consuming? Uh, well, I went to the liquor store and I asked them, being that it, that we are recording on St. Patrick's Day, um, I asked them for some Jameson. And I saw the price on Jameson and it did not have the uh, quantity amount that I wanted, and I said uh, I will forego the Jameson. And I will do some E and J, and I will mix it with some uh, Canada Dry and make some ghetto champagne. So that's what I'm drinking, and hopefully I'm not feeling it in the morning. I mean, uh, well, I have I have the usual, the Evan Williams. So whenever I'm drinking, for the listeners, it's probably just Evan Williams. But um, I do have a small bottle of absinthe that I'm waiting to crack open with um with the with the white version of you, but he hasn't come around to it yet. No, man. So yeah, this is my first time actually really drinking liquor since January. And uh I haven't really had that much, but I do feel like I'm going early at some point. Yeah, see it is, I was thinking about when you told me that um earlier, I was thinking that I don't know. It seems like I tend to influence people <laughs> to like want to drink because I think I'm to the point now that I'm kind of just like associated with whiskey. Mm. Um. So like, you know, like whenever, like you know, when I was, you know, on the Eastern Shore and shit, you know, certain people I was dealing with when I went down there, you know, they were saying like, "Man, I haven't drank in so long until you came back and shit like that." <laughs> So I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but still. I mean, I you know I was 
I was on a thing where, you know, I wasn't going to drink until my birthday. I did have a couple of beers sometime earlier this month, but I don't know. It just, it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't really do it for me. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't know, maybe some that's because of my girl, because she don't drink, but I find myself, maybe this is part of getting older, like, I find myself dreading the feeling of the aftermath. Like, and thinking about all the shit that I have to do and how tired I'm going to be and, like, how, damn, you know, I really could use a drink right now, but, ah, man, fuck that shit. Like, <laughs> like that shit really ain't going to help me do nothing. <laughs> It's going to make me feel bad. And I, may, I don't know, maybe I've built up so, like so much of a tolerance that um, I don't really feel it until I drink a lot, and then I don't even feel it then. But it just makes me feel bad. Like, I don't feel good. It just makes, like, it just makes me feel bad. <laughs> I mean, I feel you. I mean, it's probably like this. Like, I... um. Two weeks ago, um, me, 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 and the white version of you, we went out, um, had some <laughs> had some drinks before a class, and um, you know, he he mixed his shit up with coke, um, and I had I had like whiskeys, like one like you know ice and shit like that. And to make a long story short, he said, you know, how can you have like three fuck three double whiskeys before you go to class? And I went there, I was pretty much I was fine. And all I had to do was just talk about someone's research. <laughs> And he did. He didn't. He didn't get it. He told me he can't do it anymore. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But, that's uh, I don't know. I'm kind of over drinking. And then too, like you know, I'm kind of on my health type joint. Like you know, I've been losing my weight. So my goal was to be at a certain range of weight by my birthday, and I'm kind of hitting it. Like you know, I'm below. Like, like, you my mother look at me and say, she's losing weight. I say, yeah, and I haven't even worked out like how I really want to. But, you know, trying to keep my body up and all that other type of good stuff. But, um, yeah. I mean, are, you, are you working out or um, just eating or just not doing things? I've been, uh, you know, I've actually slacked off from my working out. I was working out in the house and all that. And I'm trying to get back more on that, but mostly it's my diet. Like, I've cut out bread a lot. I cut out drinking, definitely. Um, <laughs> no sugar. And, I, you know, I'm already vegan, so I don't really eat too much. But I've definitely, um, you know, I'll be wilding out sometimes. And, uh, you know, chilled on all that. So it's, like, mostly really just raw vegetables that I eat. Yeah. Okay. You know, I you know I chilled out. Like I don't be making a spaghetti with the pasta or nothing like that. It's just raw vegetables, a lot of beans, like, and you know, taking shits three times a day and drinking. I try to drink three liters of water a day. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, well, I uh, I think I'm, I'm slowly but surely starting to master how to make um, black bean burgers, although. Um, right now, um, I'm using like one egg to, to, uh, to like to keep this together more. Um, although I know if I use like way more breadcrumbs, it'll be, um, it'll pretty much be the same effect, but, um, like, 
vegan breadcrumbs are really hard to come by. You gotta like go to the right place. Like you just can't go into like the shop is in my dorm and like I've tried to do yeah. and get like fucking breadcrumbs. Every all they sh- all they should have is a towel and some type of crazy milk shit in it that I don't need to be taking. No, do you think you could use um? Do you think you could use uh? What you call it um? Uh, extra virgin olive oil. Um, I probably could because I know like there was like a list of like egg substitutes and um extra virgin olive oil was one that you can use, but um you know I was like when you mash up the beans it's kind of weird unless you have like a food processor I'm assuming but um like the the uh the the burgers that I made the other night um it was all with my hands so you know I mashed like the beans over my hands actually. Um, have you been put on to what? It's a whole not, this is a whole other fucking episode. Um, have you used um, uh, shit? What's it called? Um, nutritional yeast before? Nah. Now I was think I don't know. I'm not sure if you really like cared for it or like that, but it has like this type of like nutty slash cheesy taste. Yeah. And um. Uh, At all. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, like, um. I made like a like a um like a like a uh, some type of vegan natural sauce for like my t- um tostitos. Mm. For the for the pretty much the most part, it tastes just like it. Especially if you want to put like some jalapenos in it and stuff like that, it tastes just like like some type of liquid cheese sauce you would eat like in a movie theater. But you're getting a whole bunch of vitamins at the same time. Um, it's, it's interesting though. Um, but at the same time, I've made um like some baked. Um, vegan ziti. Mm. Um, you know, like the pasta, and I've um, I, I, I've made like all like like the tomatoes stuff with myself, like by just like crushing like the uh, tomatoes by hand after chopping them up. Oh wow! I mean, yeah, like yeah, I mean, I've been getting a bit deeper into cooking since I've been away. I'm not saying I'm no master and shit, but um, but since like I'm not like I'm not living with like with my neighbor anymore. Um, I feel like really uncomfortable asking him like taking the Walmart like, to get like the uh, the lost things of fish that I would eat. Yeah. And so I've been trying to find different ways of like doing certain things. So I've been um going to like the market up the street to get like certain vegan options and trying like to play with them to see what I can do with them. Yeah, I mean like it's weird for me, you know, having like a girlfriend like she like to cook every Sunday, so like um. I guess, you know, dealing with me is an adjustment for anybody. <laughs> yeah. So, um, she's been making, like, these uh, curry potatoes, which are real good. And, like, she makes um, this stir-fry with the, um, yeah, like, this Asian type of stir-fry, which tastes almost just like the Chinese food from the Chinese food spot, which is pretty good. Now, do, do you use um, soy sauce at all? Um, yeah, but no. Like, I mean, she's been using it, but um, I haven't. Um, I've been getting the uh, oh, what's it called? Um, liquid aminos. Yeah, because um, I came across that shit in the market the other day, and I'm like, I, I probably just started fucking with that instead of, like, soy sauce. Yeah, it's, uh, I can't even find it's mad good. 
like uh, the some of the brag joint. Yeah. Oh yeah, because yeah. I I think I hit you up like a while ago about I got the the uh, the brag version of the uh, unfiltered um apple cider, so I've been using that as the facial toner in the morning. Yeah, I, I use that for facial. For, like what I do for my skin is um. Is what I do is um I get a lemon, I chop it in half, and I squeeze the lemon juice out, and I put some of that apple cider vinegar, and I put a little water to dilute it, and I put that all on my skin, and let it soak in for a little bit. Then I put the extra virgin olive oil on my skin, let that soak in for a little bit. Then I take a shower, then I cut my hair, then I put on the um the uh Kush. No, 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 I put on the, uh, the uh, shea butter. <laughs> then I take another shower. <laughs> then, <laughs> then, then I put on some more shea butter. And that's like my process. I try to do that like once a week. <laughs> okay, all right, well, see, all right, this is, you know, you got to all right, this is going way too long. It is. But, <laughs> All right, this is another thing, too, and it's about shea butter because, um, all right, so, like, the homegirl I was talking to, she was at CVS, so um, I was in there. I was trying to get, like, some, some tortilla rolls for my, uh, for the black bean burgers I made. Right. Um, so I expected to just go in there, like, to get that shit real quick and, like, leave out. Um, but she was, like, she was there, and she broke her arm and shit. Mm. Um, skateboarding or whatever like that, so she can't, she couldn't do anything but like be at the register. So she wanted me to talk to her for a good minute. So we were talking for like, two, like I was, I was in CVS like two and a half hours just talking to her and shit, okay. literally. Um, last night and because of that, I mean, I, I probably could have been like at like fucking forty five hundred words right now. Who knows? One of my big papers. But anyway, um, we're talking. You know, different people come in, and so there's like this one chick who comes in, like, black chick. She comes in with, like, this white chick, you know, like, coming in. And, you know, like, this black chick, she, she looks pretty good. She has, like, short hair, and she had, like, these real, like, these real short shorts on. She had no ass, though, but, you know, she she looked good, though. Mm. And um, so she comes up eventually, and we talking, me and um, my homegirl, so she comes up, and um, she gets, like, some type of, you know, crazy-ass... Weird ass gel protein growing type shit that's supposed to like grow you grow your hair out. Mm-hmm. So she puts it on the counter and she's so she she's asking like the home girl, um, do, do you know if this grows your ends out? And she's like, I don't know because she just she just has like kind of has like just like like a a haircut, so she doesn't really, she doesn't really you know do anything else to her hair other than that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't know. And she's like, okay. And she looked kind of sad when she said it. And so I was right there, you know, and my hair is fucking, you know, at this point it's fucking winging on a lot of, a lot of females. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, hey, I mean, um, I know that, you know, I'm like, I know that, you know, like shea butter, um, it helps with growing hair up, you know, with the vitamin E and shit, shit like that in there. And so she looked at me and she was like, oh, okay. And she went on, and she bought her little process shit, and she moved, she moved on. But it's like the way she did it, though. Like, we had to be there for the most part. But, you know, she just kind of gave me that look like, oh, yeah, I already saw you were one, you were one of, like, little natural niggas. 
I'm not I'm not gonna listen to you because you you don't know what the fuck you're talking about anyway. And all you care about is fucking shea butter. Um and what's interesting is that my homegirl, she's Ugandan, so she she knows about shea butter. Mm-hmm. And so she kind of, like, had a bone to pick about me and shea butter. And I'm like, yo, I'm like, the reason why I said shea butter because it has vitamin E in it, you know what I'm saying? And it grow, it, it, it's for skin, and it, grow, it helps your fucking hair grow. It's like it's common sense. <laughs> so I was saying to the girl, I, I didn't say anything else. And so she finally said what I'm saying, but at the same time, like, the way the girl looked at me, like, it was, I don't know what it is, man. It's like being a natural... This all right, so it's, that's the thing. It's, it's a weird contrast being like a dude like this, but mm-hmm. being but being in this pe- this period of hip hop where you have Kendrick Lamar coming out, you have J Cole coming out. Where you know they have and, you know they they're growing the hair out. I mean, I think that um, it's a weird thing of uh, uh oh man, excuse me, <clears throat> um. <laughs> It's just a weird, it's a weird thing of, um, like, stereotypes. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of the term, like, you know how they got black Twitter? I've vaguely heard of the term. Yeah, it's like, you know, late at night when black people get on Twitter and start talking about black things and all the black stuff starts to become trending topics. There's a whole subset of black Twitter that's called Shea Butter Twitter. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. And that's for all of the, uh, you know, you, you know, Shea Butter type of people <laughs> talking about issues and shit. <laughs> Listen to Jill Scott burning incense. Damn. So I think some of that comes from the backlash of the Shea Butter Twitter phenomenon that's popping off. I mean, probably because, like, <laughs> I mean, like, because the thing is, like, she had, like, a whole different persona. But when I said Shea Butter, that, like, she just didn't pay me no attention at all. Ever, like, after that, it was like a rap. And in my head, I mean, because I just, I just didn't understand. I'm like, I mean... And my head, because when she when he, like when she like totally ignored me after that, I'm in my head. I'm like, wait, I didn't say anything disrespectful. I didn't like look at her like her ass blatantly because she don't have nothing anyway. So I'm like in my head, like, what the fuck did I do wrong? And now what you just told me makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's like a whole backlash. I mean, I mean, for, hold on. I mean, this is about to be real stereotypical. But what was her skin complexion? <laughs> She was she was like chocolate dark, like you know, like your like your uh, the same complexion as your main ex from Evan. Okay, um, that's surprising because that's the that's the stereotypical skin complexion of the shape by the Twitter. But maybe she's trying to break out of that and assimilate <laughs> <laughs> into the lighter. So, whatever you say, shea butter to her is just like, oh. And that, that's what I told my homegirl. I was like, I said, I said that's the problem. And I was shaking my head. She was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I see. I said, I was like, you know what I'm talking about. Because when she, she's Ugandan, so I just automatically assumed that. I, I just assumed. 
and shit. And she was gonna talk about. I said, you know, he's like, what? The shea butter. And she's like, what about the shea butter? I'm like, I said, I was like the assimilating bitches that would just, that just walked out the fucking door. And she was like, what do you mean? I'm like, I said, this bitch trying to assimilate to white culture. That's why she has like her hair the way it is, and she don't want to hear shit about shea butter. <laughs> Man, I I got so many things about that that I can't even talk about recorded on the podcast. <laughs> Man, fuck, man, fuck that. Look, I got I got some crazy about white people here. And I, I I can say some shit. Matter of fact, oh, look, man. Right. Hold up. man, we ain't even get into none of that, man. Let's. Get, I think, <laughs> man, Thursday we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> we're gonna have. I mean, we're gonna have episodes on deck before uh, we put up the first one. <laughs> All right. Oh, but, but no, real talk, man. It's late. I gotta. I like my mother wants to be working eight tomorrow in the morning. <laughs> All right, cool. And I've been drinking for the first time since January. Oh, yeah, yeah. You probably should go to sleep. Yeah, this is yeah. everyday thing. So let's uh, table this discussion for right now. And when I when we end the conversation, both of the phone conversations that we had, I, I, like I saw the first one was recorded, so this one should be recorded as well. Um, and I'll hit you when I'm at work tomorrow and... I think Thursday I'm gonna sift through everything and see how we gonna chop this up. <laughs> Cause I'm not gonna uh, be home tomorrow, really. Oh uh, no! So intro wise, do you think we should like? Should we have an intro? Or just like go straight through? Or should we have like the the Channel Ten instrumental? If that's I was, yeah, about the channel 10. I was listening to Channel Ten earlier. Actually, I think we should do something with that. Like right, just cool. brief, like a couple of seconds or something like that. Cool. All right. But, um, yeah, we'll figure out how it sounds or whatever. <laughs> but I think definitely we got some snippets and things to get people interested and all of that. So, yeah. All right, bet. Um, and logo-wise, I don't know, I figured something out. All right. Sounds good. All right, man. I'll host you tomorrow. What a day. <laughs> all right. All right, peace. Peace.